I got nothing. I have absolutely nothing. I went to open my mouth and talk, and there's nothing there. Hey, you freaks. <laughs> Welcome to a podcast. If you haven't figured it out already, <laughs> this is the worst intro ever for one of the greatest novel series of all time. That's right. Tonight, we're talking about Harry Potter. Well, bless my soul. So, tonight... The podcast chooses the listener, and nobody chooses the intro on another Fly Casual. Let's get ready to wrinkle! You know, I thought it was going to get better as you went. No. <laughs> No. We're going to stick with that one, huh? Yep, because we, right. we try to adhere to the one-take guarantee on the intros as best That's, we can anyway. Yeah, and okay. when I was making it clear that I was not going anywhere, Howie just looked at me with his hands on the buttons and started laughing. <laughs> so I'm like, fine, this is what you want, this is what you're getting. Pal, yep, palio, yep, buckaroo. I was just seeing how how what, you know, how far you were going to go with this. I took it all the way to the finish line, man. Yeah, you did. That's what a true pro you took does. us to the promised land. It wasn't a dunk, but I mean, after it rolled around the room a few times, it went through the net. It sure did, yeah. and that's what matters. That is what matters anyway. Yep. I probably wouldn't help that I'm like munching on gummies while I'm trying to do the intro. That's probably you, yeah. You shouldn't do that. You yeah, know, any other podcast, people would be talking about marijuana edibles, but no, I'm just a fat crap sitting here eating gummy butterflies. So, oh man, well, you got any weed in those flies, man? Come on, fly weed. I wish, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm told. I'm, I'm told to. it's great, so yeah. That's uh, what I wish that was happening. But that's not happening, because what's happening is tonight, and be, and the reason why we wanted to tee it up so perfectly at the top of the podcast is because tonight we were talking about <laughs> Harry Potter, <laughs> which we uh, intentionally did not sit down and try to hash out how to break Harry Potter out into bite-sized chunks or anything, because I feel like we could spend six months talking about Harry Potter. We were going to do this a couple weeks ago, but then J.K. Rowling pissed off a bunch of people again, so we were like, eh, let's just give it a couple weeks, because that's how quickly everybody moves on, right? That's how what happened? I don't even remember. Yeah. Right? We're not even going to talk about that crap. I don't oh, know. I can't it's wait till that yeah, Mike comes probably up. just yeah. like, waiting on mm, pins and needles. Chomping at the bit. Champing. It's champing. Okay, sure. It's no, it's champing. champing. No, it's champing. It champing. It's champing. It's champing. It's spelled champing. It's, it's pronounced champing. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, get good. Haven't you? Haven't you watched the episode of uh, Mythic Quest Ravens Banquet where that dude is like, actually, it's <laughs> champing. <sighs> I am totally <laughs> yes. a nerd. I'm just not as nerdy as you. As such a oh good show. man, that show is so good. <laughs> it is. So anyhow, uh, we are going to be we're going to be hitting a heavy, heavy big one tonight and try to actually keep it in a reasonable amount of time. Unlikely. That's what but she we're said. Give it a shot. And uh, in the meantime, welcome back. It's Fly Casual. It's number, I don't know. 246. <laughs> 278. Yeah, you see, it's, it, if you're going to make up a number, at least how we make up a number that makes it sound better than it is. You know, like, or, oh, we're like 7,274. Yeah, we're 700. We're, we're uh, uh, 2,633. We've been doing we, this for 15 years. And we still only have 20 loyal listeners. So <laughs> you got to put a decimal in there somewhere. That's all right. Point seven. Yeah. Two, four, seven, eight, point seven. Season five. two point five. There you go. The key to our longevity. 
No money. I would say no money, <laughs> boredom, <laughs> lack of lives. COVID. Yeah. Co- the COVIDs. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. uh, in the meantime, while we're hunkered down, why don't I do some intros up in here? Uh, I am your basement proprietor, Mr. Corey T. Wilson, on my left, putting Mountain Dew on Diet Mountain Dew because I know mm. it. I can't see the label, but I know who I'm dealing with. Most likely on the top of rum. It is rum. Uh-huh. You're correct. Mr. Michael J. Tonight it's rum. Could have been vodka. Uh, well, yeah. But I have got a lot of rum here, so I've got to use it up. You do have a lot of rum here, <laughs> and I'm not a rum dude, so I have not been uh, siphoning off the top. But Howie has generously provided me with a shot of the Bushmills. I did. Ooh, to which I am eternally grateful. So you're telling me I should bring down a glass of ice next uh I thought about bringing one down for you, but I was like, eh. I did just dump some vodka into this. Yeah, and, and, and I knew you had a drink, so... Yeah, yeah, I see how it is. <clears throat> I see it, how it is over there at Master Control, Mr. Stephen J. Howie. Yeah, so right now I'm furiously looking up what I've watched and things over the last couple weeks. <laughs> Dude, I don't, I don't have... Well, I got nothing. So You're supposed to plan ahead, guys. When do we ever plan ahead? Except for, he's such a good boy. We, such a boy. We <laughs> named, I always plan ahead. I have everything scripted out that I'm going to say. <laughs> Granted, originally this podcast was Star Wars only. Correct. But we that named is true. it. We, we came up with 8,000 names for the podcast. That's, that's conservative. Because as everybody knows, <laughs> all business models are put together by focusing all energy on the best possible name yes. before anything else happens. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not about a good idea. It's just the name. The name. We named it Fly Casual for a reason. We know us. <laughs> we do. Truth. And that's how it is. Speaking of uh, flying casual and ising, uh, across pond down a few, Mr. Garrick Nache already. What do you mean, ising? I think you know. Mm. If you want me to explain it for everyone else, I will. Uh, Yes. <laughs> Got him! Ah, ah, Damn! Damn! What's, what's going down? What's going on down there in lockdown town? Uh, not much. Just uh, you know, staying home, working, swimming in a ice cold pool. <laughs> the eternally <laughs> ice cold pool. He never, never goes up a degree, but never goes down a degree. Always the same freezing temperature. Yep. If you move around too quickly, it turns to ice. Yeah. You know, you do that 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 little that little first mm-hmm. count, and then you have to race out of the pool before the ice reaches you and traps you. Forever. Now, now the uh, the uh, filter has eighty percent less leakage. Yay! I, uh, did some stuff. Yep, you yeah. did repairs like manly repairs. I did. Yeah, I went out on the internet and I ordered a part. Man eh? stuff. Ooh, and I part. installed did a, a part. part. Did you have to use a tool to install I, said I part? I used several <laughs> tools. <laughs> now, wait. I'm calling shenanigans. <laughs> no, I've been to your house. Them. <laughs> I've been to your house and I've fixed things at your house. And I know several for a fact means you do not, you have not several. own several tools. <laughs> I have exactly several tools. Thank you. <laughs> I remember that was an adventure when the cable went out. Uh, I, I, I account a, a butter knife as a tool. <laughs> I've used a butter knife many times. That's true. Oh, heck yes. <laughs> when we were looking for anything we could, we're we at Garrick's house, and the patio dudes like took a like a I don't what the hell that thing was they were dragging across your lawn. <laughs> it was a ripper upper thingy. A ripper upper thingy, which is uh, a technical term for one of the tools that Garrick some kind of ex- excavator, right? <laughs> and it wasn't uh, a butter knife. That's what the, I, all I know. And, and AT and T or whoever lay the cable line decided that approximately one millimeter below the surface <laughs> was enough, and they clipped the line. 
the day that all these dude bros are arriving at your house for a party weekend, oh, there's no cable, there's no internet. Yeah, that was awesome. And so I said, oh, there's going to be internet. And there was going to be a, a draft, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's a fantasy football draft, which I was not taking part in, but I was still dead set that we can repair. It's just a ripped cable. We can fix it. But then I remembered, oh, no, I'm at Garrick's house. <laughs> not at my house where I have an abundance of just garbage and tools laying around to do these types of things. And me and Howie went and Brian went yeah. on a hunt all over Garrick's house to say, you know, can we find a pair of pliers? <laughs> <laughs> Something. We, uh, you know, well, chopsticks work. Yeah. And I'm like, can we use a coat hanger as wire for? <laughs> yeah. We're like, we're like, we're not like, can we find anything that will double as wire? Cause this is no longer long enough. We have to cut it and it'll be too short. And uh, we ended up employing tin foil. Yep. Did we have mm-hmm. electrical tape or was it duct tape? I don't remember. Uh, I doubt I have electric. Yeah, I feel like it was duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a we had a pocket knife, tin foil, and duct tape. And what's funny is I've spliced so many wires in my day, professionally and personally. And I'm just like, eh. I mean, it's cable. It's just coax. Really, it shouldn't be too bad. But you know, they're sensitive about the the ranges, like the power, yeah. the the strength signal. Well, range. and you also have to get the outer connection and the inner cable mm-hmm. so it's it all you sounds know technical and so i'm laying there in the dirt and brian and you were like the three of us like we're gonna make this work because we can't go to bed without <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and and everybody else had kind of already given up and gone over on the porch and i walked over and i'm like well what's the signal say gentlemen and so like everybody pulls out their phones because they're already connected to the wi-fi and they're like oh my gosh it's working and then Garrett ran a test and goes, I think it's faster than it was before <laughs> it they was. broke it. <laughs> it really was. And I'm like, ah, that's right, baby. Aluminum foil, aluminum foil and duct tape. They just haven't discovered its uses yet. That Both was, conductive. That was a in wonderful their own way. Wonderful day. Speaking of wonderful days, it's time to figure out what you've been doing with yours. It's kind of get on that docket time. <laughs> what has been on your pop culture consumption docket. <laughs> Mike, take it out. Oh, yeah. Mike's well, guys, one. this one <clears throat> has been in my list, uh, my watch list forever and ever, and I finally did it. Black Panther. Oh. I finally Ooh, got her done, really? man. You hadn't watched it till now. Wow. You had not watched you it till to now. Get as far away from the hype as possible. B- perhaps. And maybe a little prodding from my kids. They wanted was, to watch it the other night. So they're a, like, Dad, we're watching. It was we're a dangerously hyped movie. Dangerous. It was dangerously hype movie, but I gotta say, I loved it. It's so good. It is. I was so relieved when I saw it. I'm like, oh my god! I so thought it was gonna be crappy, and then I wasn't gonna right. be allowed to say that it was crappy. You're right. I mean, but no, it's not. You're it's right though. The, the hype around it was, it was a little annoying, to be honest with you. But because at the time, and most of the time, movies hyped that much are terrible. It's like the Last Jedi was hyped sure. like crazy by right. critics. And everybody's like, oh, it's a cultural thing. It's all this cultural importance. And I'm like, yeah, but are we hanging it on something that's actually worthy? Well, and then you watch it and you're like, oh, no, even pretty good. Even more than that, though, on the cultural side of things, it it feels like to me that in the last five years, like it seems like like year zero was five years ago. Like like pop culture didn't exist prior to five years ago (laughs) because there have been plenty of movies with exquisite 
you know, black actors oh, and yeah. actresses. That and, was something like when when it came out, talking about, oh, they're finally a comic book movie with a black hero. Right. Blah, blah. I'm like, like Wesley Snipes went to jail for your sins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blade for tax was evasion. an excellent movie. <laughs> True. Blade still holds up. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to New Blade. No, but I mean, despite all the hype and everything else, and you're right, it's probably better that I waited as long as I did, but... um. No, it was a great movie, There's man. There's parts it, of that movie that feel as magical as like like going through like a Disney ride high, I I guess. Yeah. Like if I were to like load up on painkillers and ride Pirates of the Caribbean, it would be pretty magical. <laughs> and there's a couple scenes in that movie where I was like, I feel kind of transported. This is kind of cool. It was, man. It, it had its own feel, but it had all the beats and rhythms too, man. Yeah. I mean, it had the family dynamics yep. and fathers and sons and and mothers uh, and sons yeah i mean all yep. kinds of there's some daughters in there too mothers and daughters sisters yeah. and brothers <laughs> sisters and sisters pretty sure i'm close to a song brothers song and brothers lyrics. but yeah. i mean but even i mean they even there sort might have been a cousin in there tackled some tough top topics in there too i mean in a, in, a, in a way that's digestible for a mass audience Aunts and yeah. uncles. For, especially for kids and yeah, things, for a blockbuster sized audience grandma right. and grandpa right. yeah um, how he's not gonna stop i gotta admit man <laughs> i I shed a tear more than once start watching that movie. More than man. once. Yeah. Oh, man. That's good stuff. It is a really good movie. Well, I've actually been eyeballing it to go back and watch it again lately because hmm. I'm like, you know, I've only seen it a couple times and I could go for another watch. I'll, I'll tell you what, too, the, the thing that I noticed given the climate right now. Yeah, with all I feel the like protesting. With everything going. that's going on, I feel like a lot of people, people lost the message of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> in the current climate. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's, just saying. I mean, there's, there's, there's. I don't want to get into any right. deeper than that. The movie's got trappings of like the resentment, you know what I mean? But yes, it's a lot of hope, absolutely. a lot of bootstraps hope. Yes, in that movie. Truth. Yeah, I like yep. that film a whole lot. Um, yeah, good, man, good movie. Good, good movie. The only Marvel movie you hadn't seen, or is there other ones you still haven't hey, seen? There's got to be other ones. I'm right? trying to think if there's anything I haven't seen because I finally have you watched... seen Thor: The Dark World. Because... Yeah, I've seen Dark World. Right, and I finally—I I, I... I don't know if I told you guys, but I finally watched uh, Ant Man on the Wasp too. So that's a good one. That was one that it's I not, it doesn't yet. break any. It's not a groundbreaker by any means, but no, it also it brought Paul the Scott Pfeiffer back to us. It did. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. You can't go wrong with Paul Rudd. I mean, come on. True. It's going to be. You can't go truth. wrong with Michelle Pfeiffer either. Also I, true. I, I don't know that I've seen many <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer properties that I didn't think were legit. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any my schoolboy crush on her aside. <laughs> so yeah, no, uh, finally complete, and uh, I'm glad I watched it. And yeah, that was a great movie, man. Yeah, you bet, bro. Um, kind of forever. We're kind of forever, <laughs> and I can't remember the the actor's name. The actors, the two lead actors in this, Michael I mean, the, B. Jordan. Well, that would be the uh, antagonist. Martin Freeman. <laughs> the protagonist. The only white guy. <laughs> the, basically, the protagonist and the antagonist. Both of those guys. Michael were, B. Jordan's were great. A, Michael yeah, B. Jordan was the stuff, man. You know, he's, it's he's funny. Amazing. He, I've played him play so many subdued roles and stuff. I mean, he, I mean, he, got, he was aggro. He was pretty aggro in Creed. Okay. But in this movie, I was like, oh, he can be downright scary. Yeah. Which was really cool. Yeah, it was pretty, yeah, there's, he's pretty ruthless in some of those scenes, man. Yeah. So, so the, uh, the mute, the score of that movie, mm-hmm. same person who did Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh. Ludwig Gorenson. That's right. No wonder I Ludwig. liked it. Ludwig. Ludwig Gorenson. I have a okay, feeling we'll crazy. get him. Who yeah, was a, a him. who was a uh, roommate of, um, that's right. Was it 
Dang it. I don't know. Donald Glover. Borkin's yep, kid's right. not yeah, here Donald yet. Glover. He was a yeah. roommate of Donald Glover. So. Yeah. Yep. They, they so, do early mixtapes. It's a small together. world, guys. They actually did some music stuff together, didn't they? That's two Disney rides yep. in five minutes that we've made. They did This Is America together. This Is America. Yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Complete circle. Excellent. Good stuff. Somehow. I'm next. What? Yep. I, uh, in my reign of continuing classic family si- or classic sitcoms, oh. in a way to uh, continue to consume bite size television that I can watch with my family around that is not preachy or annoying in any way and just lets me just not think about crap. How's that soda? Uh, what? It's soda? not soda. How's that beer? What beer? It's delicious. <laughs> I was trying to open it really. Garrick open. Oh, the, the snap beer. hiss of Garrick's lightsaber over there. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I started uh, just the other day. Uh, Drew Carey show. Who? Ah. Drew Carey. Ah. The Drew Carey show. Ah. I did not love early on. I thought it was okay. It's full of a lot of dude humor. You know, a lot of a lot of blue collar. The guy white, from Price is Right. White dude humor. Yes, that guy. The funny thing is, though, like the first few episodes. It's good though. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I knew that it got really. Like it had no right to be as good as it was in yeah. the second half of its run, so I'm like, you know, I've never really watched the first half well, but I remember I did catch the pilot when it originally aired, and it's funny because every line out of Drew Carey's mouth, he's not an actor at all. No, no, he's still he's doing his comedian shtick. He has always surrounded himself by better people. Yes, well, <laughs> and he probably be the first one to admit that. But <laughs> Ryan Styles is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Ryan. Yeah, you got Oswald to uh, Diedrich D- Bader. Bader. Yeah, and uh, of course uh, the chick what married the dude? What was the showrunner of Scrubs? As Kate. Oh yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. She was the first cover of Maxim magazine. Did not know that. I learned that from uh, Fake Doctor's Real Friends. They had her on. There you go. Um. I but yeah, like it, it's funny because every line that Drew Carey says, he delivers like this because he's still doing his sort of his like his like goofy manic stand up kind of thing. <laughs> and I remember as a kid catching his stand up on. We didn't even have cable. I don't know where I was watching stand up, but uh, my sister and I thought he was like the whole him and Ellen DeGeneres were like the two most hilarious stand ups in the early nineties. And so when I watched the show, I was like, I'm missing, I'm missing his uh, punchlines because he's just kind of deliver everything trail off. And, blah, blah, blah. and when there's other dialogue and, and audience laughter, I'm like, I'm, I don't even understand a word he's saying. But like by the third or fourth episode, he's kind of folding into it. He's starting to restrain a little more. And I realize, I know, I always took for granted how much Drew Carey has changed to be able to, to go from like the stand-up shtick guy, you know, like, oh, I'm the guy in the back of the, of the comic book selling the x-ray specs, you know what I mean, to... The sitcom guy and actually being able to carry a slower scene and stuff like that and like more meaningful scenes to multiple show hosts where he can kind of like hand the limelight off, but also be clear and paced when he's talking to the audience, which I don't think is a skill he had at all at this point. So it made me appreciate it a little more. It's like when he was on a community. He's just relaxed and talking slowly. He's just a total polar opposite of this guy. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, wow. So it's kind of cool to go back and see the difference there, but that's me. That's what I'm doing. My docket. Cool. Howie? Um, so the wife and kids were out 
over Father's Day weekend. That was kind of part of my Father's Day gift as they left. <laughs> they <you>. left town. Get the fuck out. And so, you know, I had you know, it's nice to be alone for a little bit uh, when you're surrounded by. Lots of people. Three thousand people. Yes, I actually took part in watching several movies. Um, Ooh, uh, how we had a porno night. I had <laughs> not, not I just had one. <laughs> you know, Garrick's mom really liked to come over. Wait, what? Uh-huh. Um, oh, but that was one night. The other night was all Skype. <laughs> hey. Had a Zoom. Well, that's zoom the one. That's the one. Mike took place. Zoom. Yeah, took part in. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, well. Um, <laughs> I don't like this camera angle. <laughs> zoom three ways. Not not all they're cracked up to be. Uh, just saying. Yeah, we're mostly that. cracked. <laughs> what it ends up being. Yeah. What was I talking about? I have no <laughs> idea. You're watching so, something. So one of the movies I watched, which I did not know was a very long movie uh, when I started it, and so I was up really late finishing it, but was uh, the 1970 Patton movie. That's right. Oh, that's a good movie. Yes. Um very good movie. Uh, I, we I like were, the beginning when he's talking about sticking your hand in <laughs> the goo that was once your, your buddy's brain yeah. face. Yeah. Or something guts probably but brain um, face <laughs> brain face uh but yeah uh the wife and i had been uh watching band of brothers again and uh we hadn't quite finished it and i'm still kind of on that kick i'm like oh this would be perfect um and which it was uh but yeah that i, I didn't know a whole lot about Patton going into this i you know i knew a few things here and there but uh man he uh He's the kind of guy who likes to get things done. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> he lived quite yeah. the life. He was uh, the kind of guy who likes to get things done at the expense of all the relationships with others. Yep, <laughs> and his career. Uh, but uh, it made me uh, maybe wonder how different uh, the war would be if he was able to restrain himself just a little bit, so that he could be put in a position of more authority than he was, uh, because he was. The kind of guy that war needs, you know, war is a terrible thing. Uh, it needs people to make it decisive and not drawn out. Yeah. And so he was all about pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh, and the people hated and loved him. I mean, his, the people mm-hmm. under him, they hated the fact that he pushed so hard, but they also loved to follow him and, and because he was such a good leader. Yeah, he knew uh, what he was doing. Yeah, he knew what they knew he knew what he's doing. And so... Uh, that just made me appreciate um, that side of things. Yeah, and I, I've so. never, I have never seen anything about. Well, I shouldn't say never. I, I've seen very little about the African side of World War II. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, people so, talk about like, well, the war in the Pacific was way brutal and yeah, longer than the war yeah. in Europe. And we're like, yeah, but that's why the war in Europe's cool because we can act like we saved everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, the Russians they were just like there or something, and Britain was just like, oh no, we need help, Governor, <laughs> and uh, and the Americans save the day, hooray! You know, that's what we like to do. And the Pacific is just like, well, that was depressing and disease filled and all kinds of things. Yeah. But Africa is. There's almost nothing. There was uh, there's some classic films, mm-hmm. and beyond that, almost nothing. Yeah, there's. Uh, That's where my grandfather served. I knew there's over over Africa. Uh, my wife and I watched and this Italy. documentary. Uh, I think it's World War II in color or something. Yep. Or, um, 
Actually, uh, yeah, World yeah. War I, I have that in my queue. They have World War Two. Okay, and uh, it's very good. It's very, very documentary. It's oh yeah, it's super dry. Yeah, uh, and, but they cover a lot of that as well. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but they cover it mm-hmm. to some extent. And yeah, it's just amazing how much. And of course, this is the case, but how much politics play? Who's going to get the credit for taking? This thing, you know, what general's gonna get be the hero, yep, and and at the expense of actually winning the war, you yeah. Know? <laughs> world War II was in that strange time where there were people who knew that PR and propaganda was an extremely powerful tool, and in the hands of the victor, it was a good thing, <laughs> but. At the same time, the most people were either too naive or willing to suspend their disbelief enough to go along with it for what they viewed as the greater good. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, most of us are like, if we sense you're, you know, selling us any snake oil, we discredit you completely. Unfortunately, we're also incredibly stupid at <laughs> knowing when people are selling us snake oil. So yeah. it's a weird time. I don't. Th- I don't think. It would take a it would take sort of a mad genius to be able to wield that type of tool again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And of course George C. Scott, who's the one who plays Patton, and uh, he's yeah. fantastic at playing. He won the Oscar Patton. for that, right? Uh I No one knows. You neither of you know. know. I don't know. <laughs> neither of you know. I thought know. I could see right I here. I mean, we but... barely care about modern Oscars, let alone classic Oscars. Well, well they counted for more back then, right? It did. There's only like five movies that came out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it counted for less, but there were also fewer awards given. So but I, I would might offset. totally recommend if if you are at all want, want to learn more about uh, you know, get more into the World War Two and, and the patent side of things. This is I don't think I've seen yeah. patents since like high school or something. So yeah. I need and, to watch it. And it's my understanding that this is fairly accurate to I mean as accurate as a movie could yeah. be. Especially marching back and forth talking front of the flag. Yeah. That's that part especially. <laughs> so, yeah. so here's here's a funny thing about George C. Scott. He was he was, did win the Oscar, but he refused it because he didn't want to be a part of that whole goddamn meat parade. <laughs> wait, wow. wait, 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 wait. Was it Patton or so, George well, yeah, did Scott? George C. Scott, <laughs> what, did Patton no. change his name to George C. Scott? Well, he was. He probably was still in the Patton mode. I mean. <laughs> he was so method, he never stopped patenting again. The, the Oscar was actually given to the Virginia Military Institute in Lexington, oh. Virginia. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. That's where a patent attended. Did you mention that this was a, a Coppola film? I no. Mean, I don't tend to mention those things. I don't think I realized that. It is. As much of a... When I was a film nerd and a film studies kid, and Coppola was always at the top of everybody's list, I don't think I ever realized that. This might have been... Not, I, I'm just going like for... I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put this all in my head together. Yeah, this may have been one of his big ones that allowed him to create American Zootrope, because that was later in the 70s, right? Yeah. I mean, this is 1970, this film came out. Yeah. So I think the success of this film, again, I'm just guessing here. I don't yeah. know. At some point, this, among other things, I'm sure propelled him. Yeah. Right. I, one that opening I, scene in front of the flag's been copied like... <laughs> Yeah, oh, countless. And, and that's one of the things I like about Timeless. this. As even though it's a it's a, f- a historical piece to some degree, it 
it still plays up a few things you can tell, and there's still some funny moments that just come out, yeah, because of the way the actors are are portraying this particular scene, and it's it's enjoyable in that right. It's not all just completely serious, but it's, it's mostly it's serious. 1970. Yeah, it is 1970. Yeah, or almost 1970 at the time. So okay, great. Yeah. Howie, yeah. you made me want to watch Patton again. Good, so, good job. If you're interested yeah. in reading more about Patton, there's a great book called Patton: A Genius for War. And it opens up where the writer is actually watching this movie with some of Patton's relatives. No way. Uh, yeah. And it, wow. that's just the opening. The rest of the book is fantastic as well. But I just remember that one part. It's Ooh. pretty good. You no, know, I've actually been looking for some uh, some historical stuff to read lately. Because yeah, I need to, I need to pull my pull my eyeballs off of the garbage pile that is social media when I'm going to bed at night. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic book. Well written. It almost it's almost like reads like a fiction, but it's all like taken from letters. And oh, you know that's my favorite, like that. right? Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite genre. The ones that read yeah. like a story. Mm-hmm. I love those. Yeah. Okay, Garrick, what's on your docket, sir? Well, I'm bringing us back to superheroes. <laughs> I I just circle. watched. Well, Patton's a superhero, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. High five. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, he may have been a Power Ranger, but Eisenhower was Zordon. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's okay. true. Uh, Eisenhower yeah, so, uh, is the one who screwed it all up with Patton. Dude, do you get off my cousin's butt? <laughs> get off my cousin's butt. <laughs> I'm just right? saying. Everybody screwed up at, in that war at some point. <laughs> yep. Especially Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> he was the biggest. Especially that I, guy. I feel bad about laughing at it, but it's hilarious. <laughs> he yeah. screwed up so bad, he only saw one way out. Yeah, I don't Get think that. he was ever not screwed up. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it was, there was some upsides from his point of view, but really it was just one long decline from first shots fired. Let's yep. be honest. Yeah. Yep. So well, I watched, we got canceled uh, Hitler. There we go. Yeah. Next, Garrick, what'd you do? I, I went out and watched a TV series called Doom Patrol. Oh, good. The, oh, let I me know. I needed I'm, someone to watch yes, this so badly. I'm, I've actually almost started watching it the other day. Because I refuse to be the first person I know to watch this. So, so I wa- it's on the uh, DC streaming service, and now I guess HBO Max, because they, I guess, share stuff now. Yeah, but, uh, HBO's I wa- involved in I everybody. I watched... Uh, Titans. I watched the first three episodes of that. I thought it was I couldn't get into it. I just it was too sad and dark. So I was kind of afraid going into Doom Patrol. Oh well, the, I was gonna say from what I've seen from Doom Patrol, sad and dark would be the polar opposite. <laughs> yes. Well, the the picture is just like a bunch of people standing outside of like a a yellowed out uh, frame in front of a broken down school bus looking. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. there's a school like, bus, right? Yeah. This looks terrible, but I watched it. Oh my God, this our show is, is so good. Yeah, they, <laughs> like, they just started season it's, two, so. It's off the, oh yeah, season two just started uh, this, the week, this week where we're recording, where we're mm-hmm. recording. Uh, it's just off the wall. I mean. People who are into the show are like, die hard will die upon this hill into this show like the I'm, kind of like crazy commitment I'm, like i i've I'm in. Not, i've heard of doom patrol like from comics i've never right. actually read any of them <clears throat> right and i'm familiar with maybe like one of the characters that's in the show yeah. which is uh oh i think it's uh elastigirl <laughs> okay yeah ripped off for uh, the incredibles yep uh but the cast is great cuz you got uh, Brendan Fraser. 
Brendan Fraser, I mean, come on. He's just like, <laughs> he starts off as this uh, redneck NASCAR driver, really overweight, cut, swears a lot. He's, he's like uh, having an affair with a nanny. He's just like this terrible, terrible person. But <laughs> through a series of unfortunate events, he becomes a uh, brain inside of a robot body. Yeah, like you do. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, it's it's great. And the, uh, Timothy Dalton's in it, which I love. No, I didn't know Yay. that. I might watch it now. Yeah. He's kind of like the, Mike, the Mike's been a hardcore Actually, Timothy Dalton chef. fan since uh, since uh, yeah, what was it? Chef. Oh, Hot Buzz. <laughs> no, no, no. Even before that, I was I was a fan of his Bond, uh, Bond work. Man. I just remember when we saw Hot Fuzz, you were in mad man love because it was so different than what I saw in the Bond. Yeah, films, the falsetto, the falsetto Hawkeye laugh coming out of my. <laughs> During <laughs> it was just he's, unreal. Yeah, he's more of a a, a serious character in this, but he's right. just he's just so good. Like uh, he, his acting's incredible, and the, he's <laughs> the reason why I love that Fran Drescher movie, that Fran Drescher Cinderella oh, story. No <laughs> what is the hell is that movie called? <laughs> I can see it in my head, but I have. I no can't idea. remember. But he was like the Russian czar, like guy. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, they have a uh, cyborg in it, who I've heard of, obviously cyborg. Which, is it like cy- like actual cyborg cyborg? Yeah, cyborg okay. cyborg. Yeah. Oh, from, Alan Tudyk is in this too, huh? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was gonna, that was to say that one for last. But yeah, way to spoil cyborg. it, though, Mike. Sorry. Well done. Sorry. C- cyborg in this way better than the movie. Way better. Like God. they actually put prosthesis on his <laughs> head. You know. Like makeup instead of doing a CGI. I'm trying to decide eyeball. whether or not that's easy to do. Um, it works for the movie. It, it looks, it looks off, but yeah, it's it definitely to. looks off. But yeah, like I just they just treated the character so poorly in the well. They treated this one so like poorly. you actually get his character. Like I've never been a huge cyborg fan. No, he is by the, by the very nature of the character. He's the most un, one of the most uncreative major heroes. Yeah. In this DC. one gives him a, this, this show gives him a lot of depth and I'm like, oh. wow, cyborg is actually kind of cool. I'm getting kind of jazzed up for this. I'm glad. <laughs> so like lastly, Alan Tudyk is the major villain in the first <laughs> season and he's, uh, his character's name is Mr. Nobody. <laughs> and he's he's like uh he kind his the way he talks kind of reminds me of the Joker like he has that you know super villain like uh I guess cadence to his voice or yeah. whatever yeah kind of sounds like Hamill's Joker a little bit I was gonna say that would be an easy tone for two but he's like almost all powerful and like so powerful that he can break the fourth wall. So he's kind of also the narrator of the first season. <laughs> I love it. It's it's great. There's so much wacky crap that I I don't want to spoil. Yeah, don't every, I don't because I'm every, legit looking forward to this. Every every episode, you're like, what the hell? But whatever. This, that's, didn't that's, they that's cast great. Brendan Fraser right in the middle of his random like internet refame that happened? You guys remember that? Yeah, like suddenly Brendan Fraser was in every meme, is on every Reddit post, every Imager post. Like he was all over the place and Twitter. Brendan Fraser suddenly, like, whatever happened, to Brendan Fraser? We loved that guy. What the hell, Hollywood? <laughs> and yeah, then suddenly, you do like, to him? yeah, like suddenly. Oh, I think he had like a messy divorce and stuff like that. But I don't remember. Don't oh, quote no. me on that. But like suddenly, boom, Doom Patrol cast Brendan Fraser, and everybody goes, "We're listening." <laughs> 
By the way, he was just on. (laughs) He was just on Fake Doctors, Real Friends the other day. So just oh, uh, Brendan Fraser was. Oh yeah, because he was his brother, right? Yeah. Well, he was. uh, He was Jordan's brother. He was Doctor Cox's brother-in-law in in one of the most epic bait and switch sad episodes in the history of TV. Right up there, next to the Seymour episode (laughs) of Futurama. I am watching the trailer for this and. That cyborg is way more digestible. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Way more. That, a how, lot. How how sad is that for Warner it Brothers is. movies? How sad is that? Yeah, it, it was. Is. But if you like wacky, off the wall, D tier heroes, this this is up your alley. I do, honest to God, I do. And like when I watch something like Legends of Tomorrow, I'm kind of like, if only the casting had been a little smarter. It's it's great because. Everyone, uh, like, if they go out in public, everybody recognizes Cyborg, because, you know, he's <laughs> semi-famous on the he's other... part of the Free Justice like, League. Yeah, well, not at this point, he isn't. Oh, okay. And he's trying to, I guess, but the other character's like, oh, God, here we go. There we go. <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> okay, I'm more excited. I was, I, was, I was on the fence before, and now I'm more excited. So yeah, you all have exactly. succeeded. Thank you <laughs> for bringing me things that I want to either watch or rewatch, and I appreciate that about all of you. Yeah, the alcohol is kicking. That's why we're here. (laughs) That's right. I mean, it's time, gentlemen, for some news. Oh, God! Thank God, someone watched Doom Patrol. (laughs) I was worried no one was ever going to watch it, and it would just be me rolling the dice. Yeah, the first first five minutes has Alan Tudyk in it, so I was sold. Yeah, like up, done. I didn't didn't know he was affiliated with it, so that's great. Oh yeah. We got some Star Wars in the news this week. You're dang right you have some Star Wars in the news this week. First off, we got a couple of stories here. The first one, Charles Souls, Star Wars High Republic Souls. novel. How do you say it? Charles Soul. No, how does Garrick say it? That's how I say it. Okay, good. But he, he said, said Souls. I was hovering on the button. Okay, because I was using the possessive form of his name, dude. Oh! Charles Souls, Star Wars High Republic novel. What? We've got an excerpt. Yep. Oh, that was released to the internet this week. So, excerpt. and uh, people let, are partaking and let me, reacting. Let me remind listeners how I feel about this whole High Republic. How initiative. big is the excerpt? <laughs> wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait. There we go. Uh, and um, I read this excerpt the day it came out. Yeah. As soon as I saw it on my RSS feed, I was like, you know what? I got a few minutes. It's not very big, Garrick. I'd say like a couple, a few pages. Maybe oh, okay. five pages tops. Like it's more of like a prologue. Now he's chapter. doing the. This is the kickoff novel. This right? is the kickoff novel, and yep. I have zero. Oh no, I shouldn't say zero. I would say if I had been like a hundred percent excited when Stackpole's New Jedi Order book came out, say okay, we're gonna make it make sense now. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm a hundred percent. Or like when like the Thrawn duology came out, and I was like, all right, it's gonna be like Thrawn trilogy. It wasn't, right. but I was that excited, right? Right. So if that's a hundred percent, I'm at roughly three and a half percent for uh, this damn. entire uh, thing. <laughs> I read these few pages, and at the end of that, I was like, damn it, this doesn't come out for six months. Oops. Wow, really? Yeah, like uh, it was just it was a character. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, even though it's just a few pages, right? But it's a character you're never going to hear from again. You know, it's it's ju- it's a character you've never heard of before, and it's just an event that happens. But it would be like the intro to a movie where, like, a big 
epic thing happens that's like, all right, this is this is the stage. This is ground zero for what you don't know. The stage isn't even set. You get a little bit of the set dressing where it's like, this is kind of the current events. The Jedi are doing this. And in this case, there's this person and they're taking these people out uh, to like the outer rim to populate some new uh, new territories along these new space lanes and stuff. And oh, a thing happens. And it sounds so cliche and so uncreative. And let me tell you why that's an asset. <laughs> okay. Because everybody's been trying to outdo each other and show, well, look what I can do different. I, mean, I really feel like that's been a, uh, and it's not fair because I haven't read all of the sequel trilogy affiliated <sighs> stuff, but there's all, there seems to be this competition to be somebody who puts things on its head, you know, or spins things differently. And this was just straight up, you know, this is Charles Sewell going, was Soul? Soul. Charles Soul mm -hmm. going, are you guys ready? It's Star Wars. And then a thing happens. There you go. That's every almost everything you need to know. And and when I got to the end of that, I was like, I want to know more. So mm. I'm gonna tell you right now, before I read this, I had no intention of buying the first yeah. book, and right. I have a feeling I'm gonna be like a first week book buyer right here. Wow, wow. honestly, that's, that's and encouraging. Paper copy because I'm still ebooks. Yeah, ebooks yeah. still oh, not doing it for me. Yeah, I, I yeah. wish they were. They're cheaper. But yeah. no, I'm still I, you know what? For me, I, when this was announced, I really had no intention. Uh, of partaking this, I, I'm like the same as you. All of the authors still are going to have to win my trust. It's not sure. like I'm going to go from one book to the other, but his right. writing style was just Star Wars. I think the things that have come out, I mean, I know there's some bright spots, right? I mean, some of the stuff that Garrick and Howie have read um, were pretty good, but I think once you start getting into that sequel trilogy era between Return of the Jedi and everybody's and the trying trilogy, to have their own voice. They're all trying, you know, Wendig is writing stuff in the present indicative, which I've beached, bitched about a number of times. Right. But it's like everybody's just trying to, like, put their own spin well, on everything. And, and like, I felt like this few pages just was like, hey, guys, I'm writing Star Wars. Right. It just he, felt so been, right. He's been writing Star Wars. I know. I know well, he has. that's the thing. He wrote I mean, that, some of the best comics. I know. Like, but, that, I mean, comics. I didn't know. I, I would have never thought that he would transition so perfectly. Like, it... It, again, it's just a few pages, but it could have been Zahn. It could have been Stackpole. It could have been Kevin J. Anderson. It could have been. Uh, it could have been Karen Travis. You know, it could have been any of the old standards. It just sounded right, and that matters. So I think much to this me. group of uh, well, whatever this is, this project, this you know, because I don't think they're going to be all novels. I think there's going to be other things, but. Um, but they ha they do have a couple things going for him. First off, Charles Soule, because like Garrick says, I mean, the dude's he's, got it down. He yeah, he knows the Star Wars, and he's written some of the my favorite. Would you call him the Dave Filoni of comics? Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If I, yeah, yeah I, I feel like from I, what you guys have said, and honest, I don't know. You guys are the readers, but I feel like from what you said, the that's stuff not he's that much done, he's done with the Vader comics and yeah. stuff is some of my favorite. Hey, he made stuff. Palpatine Vader's dad, right? Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was him, right? Which which was reeled back in a little bit, but still. <laughs> but he's written some of my favorite stuff, so it's got that going for him. But the other thing that I think it's got going for it is that it's not writing in that sequel trilogy timeline. Yeah. It's not it's not touching the original trilogy, it's not touching Old Republic. It's just they it chose a timeline in the middle. It felt like just such like, a weak let's decision. Just do something. It did. If, but now we but we, it, rec we knew why they were doing it. Right. Like we knew they were just trying to distance themselves from baggage. 
right? Yep. They didn't want to be the prequels. They, they didn't want to be to the sequels. They didn't right. want. They didn't want to be the billionth people to go back to the original trilogy. Right. They just wanted to do something creative and original in a space, and right. we're like, "Well, you're phoning it in." But if they weren't gonna go sequel to the tr- the sequel trilogy, like follow up after the sequel trilogy, right. maybe. I mean, I would have gone more than 100, 150 years back, but I get why they don't want to be affiliated with old, old Republic either. Right. Maybe this was a good move. Again, any of the authors could come in and take a hot, steamy dump of course, all over right. this. But it's got potential and it's in the right it's in the right spot because they're going to write characters that we I guess the only character, modern character that we know that could fit in that still would be Yoda. Right. I mean, just yeah. simply because of his age. Other than that, every everything is going to be new. It's going to be new. You think Yoda will be piloted, or Yoda will be in command of the Chuan Thor? <laughs> <laughs> That's some deep cut, deep cut <laughs> legacy right there, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that the no, the, he'll he'll be just a baby, right? Like he's uh, no, he's like, like seven hundred years old at this point. Wait, how long? How long in the past it's, is it's this? only like 100, 150 years before the oh, trilogies, okay. right? I was thinking it was like eight hundred, but. I don't think it's that long. Honestly, I'd, I'm not sure. So yeah, at this point, I'm questioning everything I know. But if it's hundreds, then Yoda. But I still is want possible, Yoda to be Yoda. Yeah, Yoda's Yoda's Am I getting the name right? The, it was C H U apostrophe U. Yeah, that's how I pronounce and, it. And yeah, Chun Thor or yeah. something. Who who knows how to pronounce it? For 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 <laughs> for listeners who are not that deep cut Star Wars, it was a basically mobile Padawan academy that Yoda commanded. So, mm-hmm. and it was mentioned probably once. That would be cool. But I, or a comic. <laughs> that would be cool, but I don't. I mean, I, I just, I, you know, me. I'm just looking for the threads, the through the, uh, me the, too, the continuity. Me too. Those are the fun things. Those are things that Filoni would pick up. But on. boom, exactly. <laughs> Filoni would go. This isn't going to hurt anybody just to yep, mention it, right? And, but it's going to make some people feel like a. We'll million see. Dollars. Maybe maybe Charles Souls got. I that feel in like. Him. I feel like. If not like Filoni esque in the fact that Dave Filoni makes like the key cards look like the ones from Dark Forces, you know what I mean? Like in Rebels, <laughs> right, right. he goes like he goes all in. I feel like Soul at least Cap knows uh, he understands the essence. And he the, the as, essence, and he's got a, he's a good storyteller. Though so. I'm, I'm so thrilled that these few pages just. There was no lack of clarity. There was no floweriness. Get to it. Get to the point, right? But it also wasn't overly concise. There was flavor sure, to it. Right. I'm more ex- more excited than I've been in a long time. And I know there have been legit novels that have come out. Obviously, Zahn's novels. Yeah, so, right. yeah. I know that. But just to read somebody to read somebody who isn't trying to spank literature over its knee. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just to read somebody who's just like, I want to be a voice Bad of Star Wars that makes Bad. sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm i I'm so scared that I'm getting excited about yeah. this. Because you know that's an about face for me. It it is. Just remember he he wrote the first arc in uh Poe Dameron about the giant <laughs> the blue the blue moth people. The, <laughs> the, the, all the people that the took big off giant the, dude that flew into space. I yeah. wanna pretend <laughs> lessons have been learned. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I like, no, like, no, I like to think that Charles Soule listens to this podcast and he's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to own that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it was a giant egg monster, and they flew off into space. Well, no, I think if you interviewed him, he'd be like, well, I threw a bunch of ideas at him, and they were like, nope, can't do that, nope, can't do that. And he's like, fine, I'm going to make a giant egg and have this dude hatch and fly into space. So, yeah, at that point, I was running to be fired, so I shat in my hand, and they loved it. (laughs) They were like, damn, Ron, no one really cared about him anyway. This mysterious they that we can demonize. (laughs) What else supposed to die in the first movie anyway? All right, we got some (laughs) more Star Wars. News this week: Empire Strikes Back. It has been announced. We'll be Woo! back in theaters. In I can't July. wait to see it. Hell yeah! yeah I man. can't wait to see that movie. I have seen the Empire Strikes Back in theaters exactly one time, nice. and it was the when it re-released. Yes, it was a special edition. Nice. Did no wait. Me remind me. Did they re- theatrically release the THX Enhanced before the special edition? They didn't, right? No, I think it was just a special edition. I don't know I just why remember, that... I mean, to my knowledge, it's just been special edition in the original I release. remember when it when it hit, we were coming back from a show choir concert, and a couple of the senior girls, I was like a junior, I think, or a sophomore. I was a sophomore, maybe? I don't remember. Somebody check that timeline. Maybe I was in college, and this is all bullcrap. But I remember these girls wanted to go. They're like, hey, you want to go see a movie? And I'm like, it's 1030 at night. They're like, yeah, it starts at 11. Oh, what do you want to go see? We're going to go see Empire Strikes Back. And I was just like, (gasps) you're attractive, older, and want me to go see Star Wars with you? (laughs) Could I be, you know, could I be a better man? And uh, that was like the greatest night of my life. Like, we're all like, it was the end of a long day. We're all just like dressed in PJs at this point. Nice. And just went out and vegged out. And it was awesome. But I was really probably preoccupied with whose pants I was not going to be able to get into that Aww. night. So mm. I would like to see Empire on the big screen without the, being the, a married the, man. Yeah. You know exactly whose pants well, are Well, if I'm there with right. you, you still might have that problem. That's true. <laughs> Howie <laughs> always sparks a little something. Oh, you know something. Little, something oh, you don't something. know. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it came out February 1997. Yeah. So that would be right. I would have been a junior. That's right. Um, Regal Cinema. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Regal Cinemas. Yeah. That's part of when they open, because there's not a lot of new films to fill out their theaters, so they're going to be running some older classic favorites. Right, right. some old 80s f- favorites, if I'm not mistaken. Dude, I'll wear, I'll wear two masks. Now you're talking <laughs> my language. I will wear a mask. I will literally like pull I'll it open and distance. shove popcorn up underneath it. <laughs> Actually, social distancing would be my preference anyway. Honest so. to God. <laughs> a movie Seriously. So true. How many times before before the recliner theaters happen, which our, our local Regal is a recliner theater. Right. Recliner theaters, it's okay. You can share an armrest and still have room. Right. But before that happened, how many times do you go into a theater? You're like the first one there. You're like, all right, I'm going to sit at the row above, the first row above the walkway. Because, you know, there's like five rows below that, right? You sit down right in the middle, and someone else comes in and goes, ooh, that's a prime spot, and sits down right the frick next to you. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> How are you doing? You want Terrible. We could do a whole podcast about the lack of a social distance <laughs> awareness prior to this whole thing happening. But, yeah, I, I, the idea of going and seeing some of these classic, I hate using the term classic films because we're old, but... I'm excited about that. I've always, I've been always a little jelly of that the films. Oh, almost oh, as old as you. What are. happened? Oh, damn it! Oh, see ya. Sorry, guys. Sorry. See ya. I've always Got been it. a little bit jealous of 
like uh, some of like the East Coast and West Coast areas where they've got cinemas that play classic films, because we don't have that at all in the non-densely no. urban Midwest, or almost not at all. We, we have, do. What is that? There is you're a, in an urban. You have a major urban center near you. Yeah, we do. They, now the the local cinemas do have, and I can't remember the the name of the company that puts these on, but every once in a while they'll come through with a classic film. Yes, but it's like, like an event. It's not like you right. can just go, I want to go see a classic movie night. What's playing? Oh, here right. are our five options. Right. No. You know, it's like one weekend a month, there's a planned thing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Sure. So to be able to, like, even Empire's one on a list of films that they're thinking about playing, and there's several on that list, and I'm like, man, I'd love to see that on the big screen. I saw, I saw Back to the Future... What like five six years ago? That's right. It out again, and it was amazing. Like they had they had made it a whole event. They had a trivia contest at the beginning. They given away like souvenirs and stuff. It was awesome. So great. plus the movie was pretty good too. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah, one of my faves. One of my faves. Back in time. So here's and then some he, of the uh, came back to the future. Back in time. Here's some of the uh, Regal Cinema. They're not as classic as I thought, but here's some of the movies in addition to Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that one's not very classic. So uh, Black Panther. Hey, watch. Hey, hey! There you go. There you go. Let's see it again. Blood, bloodshot, bloodshot, bloodshot. Oh, that bloodshot. terrible. That bloodshot movie is terrible. I watched Van Diesel. Bloodshot. I watched that movie a few months ago. It was on my. Ter- uh, it was my docket, and it's pretty crappy. Uh, the it's original. terrible like a fox. Yeah, it is. That's a good way to describe it, actually. It's not unenjoyable, but it's terrible. No. Yeah, it's terrible, but it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Ro- the original Rocky so is going to be in. Oh. oh. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. Oh, Mike. Uh, Unforgiven. Oh. I, I've still, to I this day, else. as much as Sorry. I love modern westerns, I've yeah. not seen Unforgiven. I haven't either. That might be the way I like to see the it. It's not one. bad. It's all right, so here's bad. some cool ones. You got the Dark Knight trilogy. All three of them are going to be. Whoa! Oh my lord, that's that's, all, that's four movies. Thing. The Dark Knight uh, trilogy is four movies because the, because Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight. There's two Matt, movies, pretty much. It's like a Martin Scorsese film. It just changes. Uh, I see through. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So they, uh, they Disney's edition? Inside Out. <laughs> if you like. Uh, yeah. The Inside Out, got, the animated. I got Disney Plus. Which one's Inside Out? I, uh, it's one where the people it's the girl inside that's, your head. that's moving. And oh, she has all the, the personality Amy, the, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all. The, that man, was cute. It was that's fine. a tearjerker. Yeah. Yeah, I always get really Especially upset when, when Bing Bong dies. Yeah, I guess I always get really upset when Bing Bong dies. Well, thanks, guys. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, well, no, now you know. Bing Bong fades into nothingness. I like to pretend die. that Bing Bong is the he same character that the dude was in Scrubs, who was a hypochondriac. And actually, oh, yeah, Inside always... Out is his actual send off into death. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he always gets the full body scan. Yeah, he gets that full body scan. I'm here for my full body scan. Dang, Garrick, I'm impressed. All right, the last one. Love that guy. I do too. He was on one of the Carol Burnett. They're not listening. One of the Carol Burnett uh, show reboots back in the nineties. Right? Yeah, Howie's whistling Jurassic Park for. So I years. guess that's going to be one of them. That'll be the. That'll be the last one. Yes. Right? I... Uh, the original Jurassic Park? Yes. Well, yes, the original Jurassic yes. Park. You know, I might, the, the I might one, be interested in the that. One not, that's, not two? <laughs> Jurassic Park, the one that's really good, rather than all the rest of them, which were which range from eh to meh. Yeah. Lost World was meh because Steven Spielberg decided to abandon the novel entirely. Yeah. I mean, he basically kept the concept of Isla Lorna instead of Isla Nublar, which was what the first one, the island the first one took place on. 
and then totally abandon the story completely. Like well, the whole kind of abandoned the story in the first one too. Yeah, the it only just happened thing... to be a good movie. Uh, I mean, the outcomes are different, but it's still pretty much the same with a few things missing, like the the flaw the the uh, pterodactyl habitat and all that stuff. But Hold there's, on to your butts. It still hits a lot of the same things. You just don't have what's his nuts get the old guy get eaten by compies, but. The yeah, second one, the best. novel was actually really good, and it introduced something that when Jurassic Park 3 came along, they tried to make up for it by taking the plot of The Lost World and using it in Jurassic Park 3 because the Lost World movie was just Steven Spielberg's splooge pet project. It had nothing <laughs> to do with the book. So, bullcrap. The first movie, though, awesome. Awesome. Too. Well, boys, that's all I had for news. That's all you've got for news. Oh, I don't know if y'all know this, but in the Harry Potter movie franchise, there is an inordinate amount of newspapers on screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. All of these newspapers were actually arranged prop-wise by a single company, and they got it in their head early. You know what? If we got to make all these newspapers, we might as well have fun with it. So if you pay attention to all of the different newspaper articles on screen, you'll notice a theme because there's an entire hidden chapter in the Harry Potter movies about the ginger witch, a character this company created to <laughs> occupy headlines through the newspaper than all the movies. Nice. <laughs> the ginger witch. <laughs> Gingers have no soul, so I mean, hey, yeah. Wait, can witches can witches <laughs> operate without a soul, or do they sell their soul to devil? I don't know. How I don't works. know. I don't either. So Depends on what methodology. Holy crap! How are we going to even talk about Harry Potter? Yeah, where to begin? Um, There's this kid. His name's Harry Potter. The end. or is right. it? You know what I'm going to begin with? Sorry, Howie. Sorry, Mike. Harry Potter sucks. Oh. Is Garrick Garrick and my age? That's right. Harry Potter was born, I believe, in uh, in uh, or September of 1980, meaning he would have been the like one of the younger people in our grade in school mm. and would have graduated Hogwarts at the time that we were graduating high school. See, How you like them apples. We're like, kin- we have a kinship. But yep, we didn't get to go to Hogwarts. Me in any way. We're, we're muggles. With yeah, this we fictional are. Character. We're, we're freaking got, muggles, damn yeah, it. So we got Harry Potter and Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> as our, as our, hey, I like that movie. I Shut did up. Too, man, that came out our senior year. It was the best. Seth Green's an American treasure. Uh, yeah, the kid from, from, uh, from Hook. You guys are going off really fast. You know Jennifer Love Hewitt's <laughs> really attractive, you guys? Harry <laughs> Potter. <laughs> Not as attractive. Not... Not quite. Well, yeah, he's a good-looking. Not as attractive Jennifer Love My daughter has a ridiculous... Army oh, man. when he's a farting corpse. My daughter has a ridiculous yeah, crush on Daniel Radcliffe. Somebody went on a Daniel Radcliffe binge uh, and added a bunch of movies to... Uh, you see uh, Guns Akimbo? <laughs> so it was Garrick. <laughs> we're, dialing, we're dialing through. My daughter goes, I can tell which Harry ones. Potter? Oh, God, it's so one. obvious. <laughs> it is so obvious. Even my wife has made a game out of it now. Garrick movie, Garrick movie, Garrick movie, someone else. Garrick movie, Garrick movie. There's another person who has similar tastes as me, so it might be a harder game than you think. <laughs> no, no. 
So Harry Potter. I remember everybody freaking out about these novels when we were in college, actually. And uh, I was like, whatever, children's bull crap. I mean, yep, right. I wasn't into was- fantasy at all at the time. I hadn't even read Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And Garrick, I think you and your then girlfriend, now wife, and one of her friends convinced me to go see the first film. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was like, reading the books. Yeah. That. Yeah. I think you had, you had read, yeah, the book, or at least we're in the process of it. I remember walking out of the film going, that was surprisingly enjoyable. You know, even the dryness of the Chris Columbus first couple films. And when I, after I graduated, I was hanging out with Mike's future ex-wife, future wife slash ex-wife. <laughs> and uh, she was a big fan. And, and we were supposed to go see a movie that night. And she goes, wait, you haven't read Harry Potter? I'm like, no, I saw the film. I thought it was pretty good. And she goes, our plans are canceled. Take this and hands me like a special edition and sent me home. <laughs> this is the British version. And I, it was, no, it was like, it had like special in like embossing on the cover. Yeah. I went home. I had bought her that for her birthday. I bought her that oh, one. Really? That, she yeah, sent me right. home with it. And I actually stayed up all night reading it. Yeah. And I went, I, I took it back the next day and I went, you knocked it out in a night. I go to the bookstore. You, you would know because every subsequent book release after that, like four, five, six, and seven, right? we all went together. We all went together to like the midnight releases. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. These books had like a huge impact. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. It was around the same time that I started too. And it was that for that very reason. I think, I think they had been announced that the movies were coming out and she was real excited about it because she was an English teacher and, so I had exposure to it, you know, through school and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and and uh, um, I was I was the same way. I was like, "What kids' book? I mean, this just sounds so dumb." Because and, it usually is, right, right. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I remember. Yeah, she gave me. I think for my birthday, she gave me my f- first copy of Sorcerer's Stone. Right. And I was the same way. I think I breezed through it like in, in a night. Yeah. I mean, I literally and, went out the next day to buy. Book two, three, yeah, and right. I don't think four, four was out. Four, four would have right was around time. just coming out when yeah. the first mm-hmm. movie came out. Okay, so four was out then. Yes. I went out to buy those and then just went, well, what the hell? I bought book one because I'm like, I'm going to want it sometime. Right. right. Which I've read it multiple times. I was the same and way. And with my child. Right. I was the same way. So, yeah, as soon as I had finished that and was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't get enough of it. And then two, three, and four, I remember picking up book four for the first time because that was the yeah. first one where it was like 500 pages or 700 pages. Oh, yeah, it was monstrous. It was a huge, and I was because like, she oh takes, my gosh. Because she takes 300 pages to get to school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and true. I, I saw that book and thought it would be daunting, but started reading I just breezed through that one too. It's I, a lot of people's amazing. favorite. It's a lot of people's favorite book four is, which, you know, the, uh, the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. But my favorite. when I read it with my daughter, Meaning, I was reading it all out to her, and then I would have her read like a paragraph here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized how slow it is to start. It's kind of painful if you're not all if you're not at pace with if your reading. Yeah, stuff. if you're not doing it. And as your ex used to say, used to brag all the time. Well, Harry Potter's actually written at a twelfth grade level. Which, <laughs> which one? Yeah, I know. I'm like, which twelfth grade? You know what? what Maybe the last what county? One? What zip code? Uh, and yeah, which one exactly? But I mean, book four is very slow to start, but by that time, especially after book three, where you're like, I need more, I need more, there's not any more. Right. 
But I remember we went to go pick up Order of the Phoenix, book five. We went to we yep. went to Meyer. Meyer. We didn't pre-reserve a copy. We refused to pre-reserve. Everybody was going to the uh, BNN had a line, and, yeah, Barnes yeah, and Noble line and, around it, and we're like, we're gonna go to Meyer. Walk in. Meyer's got a pallet sitting right by the front door. And there they're, was like five. They're people. not even trying to get you to walk <laughs> into the store. They're like, there it is. There's a checkout line. Get the hell out. Yeah. And we walk in and <laughs> we pick up like they're handing out copies to everybody that comes in the door. And Mike opens it up, flips the last page. He goes, up. Oh, yep. There it is honey <laughs> or harry or no you said ron sticks it in that was, that was book seven <laughs> that was a, no that was book five was it it was book five yeah no. it wasn't book seven i know it was a book seven maybe book six <laughs> but he's like yep there it is ron stuck it in loud enough for everyone else to hear <laughs> and i was both mortified and thrilled <laughs> yes because everybody was like oh man ron is totally hooking up with hermione there's, there's no way this isn't happening. Yep. So, all right. For those of you who don't know, Harry Potter, a story about a boy wizard, the end. Um, <laughs> First book what? published in 97. 97. 98. Now, I believe she started writing it. She started writing it actually in 95. And actually, the, the it's set in 95. So that's the beginning of well, no, it's not. his story. Yes, it is. No, it's yes, not. Yes, he was 10 years old in 95. So yeah, you're a little off on your calculation. Oh, everything I've always read said that it was uh, 1990, uh, the very, or 1991 is when it starts. He turns 11. Everything I've ever seen. Maybe, hmm. But then again, this is Rowling. Could be wrong. This is Rowling. J.K. Rowling rewrites. <laughs> I was going to say on the on the she on the moves fly. the goalposts <laughs> constantly. But yeah, so it's possible. Who knows? But um, she did complete the first book in '95, though. Yeah, she probably started in 90. I'm just saying, 1991. I'm just saying, like, just saying. It could be. No, yeah. she wrote it all in one night. Because <laughs> I think she That's did. How long it took me to read it? I think she did struggle at first to get that first book off yes. the ground. Two years. So. Yeah. Wasn't she, like, single mom in it at the time? Yeah, single mom, had nothing. Yeah. I mean, literally nothing. She I think literally, she was, like, going to a coffee shop to yep. use their internet connection and stuff, yeah. which apparently was a thing even back then. <laughs> That sounds unlikely. Sounds weird. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe she was just hauling in a mechanical <laughs> typewriter. You know, like, oh, it's the lady with the typewriter again. She's like, clunk. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. No, but, out. but right ka-chunk. away, I mean, she just, she grabs you out of the gate, right? Because yeah. you've got this. So on the, sorry, timeline, Hogwarts year one is 1991 to 1992. Okay. Booyah! Okay, okay, on what word are you getting that? You got it. I'm getting it from Pottermore, Wikipedia, <laughs> Potterpedia. Can you? I'm trust getting it from Muggles Guide to Harry Potter slash Timeline. Yeah, there you go. Um, that's, yep, that's, that's official. Official. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Rolling the eyes. <laughs> but no, she grabs you out of the floodgates, right? I mean, you got this young boy, and I mean, I, I, I mean, the book starts out, and he's un- he's under the stairs, and you're finding out, oh, geez, boy, the book starts off, and he's a, a baby. Just like the movie. Well, yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm just saying the beginning of the book, yeah. not the very that, first is scene. His aunt and uncle are big dicks. Yeah. His cousins. <laughs> right, terrible. this guy, yeah. The this... worst kind of dicks. <clears throat> right. Which, right. you know, there's, there's something. Kid's an orphan. Uh, oh, you're gone. I, Wait, I, we're I, all gone. Hold on. I'll be okay. back in a second. There oh, there go. you are. Oh, boy. Um, that's one of the brilliant things about these books is that Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon, who are Harry Potter's guardians, and Dudley, are literally the worst kind of muggles, which is how, for whatever reason, uh, 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 why can't I remember McGonagall's name? 
the actress who plays oh Ma- Maggie Smith. Maggie, Maggie Smith, Smith. My right. God, I was about ready to say her Down Abbey character. Um, like Maggie Smith, that's the way she. Said. The worst kind of muggles, and it's such a weird line in the film that you would miss it if you hadn't read right. it. Um, that they're horrid, right? Horrid, like unforgivably horrid. And then throughout the course of this long series, you learn that it's a not completely unfounded that they're horrid, and b maybe partially not their fault. Like there's like mysterious things at bay that are probably that's one of the things that keeping that, them horrid, and, and it can't translate. But that's it one of the things that 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 the books do better than the movies. I mean, the movies can only do so much. So basically, mm-hmm. the Dursleys are the Dursleys in the movie. Yeah, in the movie, right? they're just like, "Oh, look, two are fat, one skinny." Hooray! Yeah, right, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, that's the way they were in the book. Though. I, I, well, yes, but they had more. But there's more, a little more there. depth. I mean, in the books, I mean, you find out skinny. you yeah. find out more about you know um, Mrs. Dursley and her sister and their relationship, and there was a jealousy factor there, yeah. you know, on some level. But she I mean, repressed you get that it a little and, bit at the in the beginning of the first movie. <clears throat> Where Haggard busts into the lighthouse and and Petunia goes into the go you know my you know, parents were so proud there's a witch in the family you know that <laughs> yes. whole thing I by right. the way I love that actress I only remember her from like Three Men and a Little Lady but whatever <laughs> I love that actress um you know and Petunia isn't she blonde in the books yes yeah yeah and a little aside a little different right mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I think D- she Dudley still has is the horsey too. face yeah that's true so. yeah a little bit she got a little bit of the horse face. But um, just to confirm the timeline, yes, <laughs> please, <laughs> please. Um, Harry, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, nearly headless Nick's death day party. That's how this was derived at. Uh, he That's died in. Uh, it's the second book, correct? Yeah. Uh, October thirty first, fourteen ninety two. Yep. And they were commemorating five hundred. Five hundred. Yep. That's how yeah. that was how it was driven. Oh, I, I, I I did know and that at some point. Of course, then uh, J.K. Rowling did confirm that. Yeah. So so Harry Potter's already shut up. Somebody uh, <laughs> did the math. Yeah. Uh, he's an old man now. Technically, he's a year younger than me, but he would have been in my grade because I was one of the early birthdays, and he was a late. Birthday. Well, thanks for clarifying. Yeah. I mean, we probably would have still rolled together. You know. When is it? When is his birthday? Uh, September 11th. That is not. Oh, it's a late July thirty first. That would no, have been July, a late birthday. Harry's, it's, Harry's birthday is July 31st. July 31st? Well, I was thinking September 11th. Maybe terrorists. Well, it's July <laughs> 31st of the next year, like he would have been one of the youngest people in the yeah, class. In 92, he would have been the same age as everybody in his class by that point. No. Most people what? July of 92. He was born July 31st, <laughs> 1980. Right? Yeah. 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 He, but he was in, yeah. the, like, I was born in August of 79. The 91, 92 school year. This kid. So Harry Potter. <laughs> Sorry, I, I understand math. Um, Harry, yeah, it, it it resonates because first off, there's a lot of tales in this sort of like genre, which I don't know if it's actually like a genre or a subgenre, but I always think of it this way because I'm a, I'm attracted to these types of stories where it's the fish out of water, but it's the chill the child fish out of normal water into magical waters is what it amounts to. Mm-hmm. You know, Wizard of Oz. Uh, Harry Potter, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, like all these types of uh, of of stories that are like a child who's encountering the fantastical and learning to treat it as normal, right? You know, and learning the ropes of the fantastical. It is a genre that I am so attracted to. Yeah, 
And I lot of think a lot of and people that, are. But, a lot of people are, but isn't is rarely done well in cinema. It's rarely done well. It's done half. It's it's done half assedly in cinema a lot. But the good ones tend to hit hard. And actually, even the okay ones tend to hit hard. Who here hasn't seen Return to Oz? <laughs> Mike, you haven't seen Return to Oz? Oh, oh, Mike, guess what? It's time to give you some new psychological issues. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I mean, it's films like that. It's like they're not that good, but yet there was nothing else going on at the time. You know, even like we watched uh, we watched with uh, on the Discord. We watched with uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of our friends from Discord. Uh, Flight of the Navigator. Even that, mm-hmm. you know, he goes into the future and he's flying around a spaceship. That's fit, same kind of concept. Uh, and, yeah, and and then in uh, Black Hole, they go into the black hole and it's really hell. Yeah, the, right. Somehow that I apparently <laughs> still have nightmares about that. Thank you. But the beautiful thing about Harry Potter is that because she did it over the course of seven books, that it's basically just this is middle school. And you high mean school. it's not eight books? No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, not it's eight films, seven books. Um, because she did that over the course of that many books, it, middle school and high school, one year each book, the amount of character development and flavor and everything that can flesh out that whole thing, that by the time you get to like the fourth book, you feel kind of right at home. First sure. three years, Harry's still trying to figure out because he right. there was no magic where he was raised, but he's in the, he's a wizard, right? You know, by birth or whatever. And, uh, and, 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 but by the time you, before you, like, it's, it's, it's almost, it's comfortable. It's comforting, you know, reading something that takes place in this Hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry. And so at that point, it's like, okay, you're acclimated. Now watch, I'm going to expand it, you know, and she started mm-hmm. bringing in like Bo Batten, right. And, uh, or Bo Baton, whatever you call it, Durmstrang. The, the, the great thing about her, I mean, she's got a mind. Uh, and these minds are rare, but she's got a mind like Lucas did, I think, because Lu- Lucas can just see in so many different directions. And yes. Has, um, yeah, I mean, he's got, you know, he makes up a character because he got these these, you know, little backstories and everything. I mean, everything has just got something to it, you know, and even if it's not a, a backstory, so to speak, and Lucas's mind, at least, I mean, he's got a reason like, OK, this guy's wearing this color. And there's a reason for that because yes. it represents and symbolizes this. Yes. And, you know, and all that stuff is just. But you don't get it crammed down your throat. That's the important right. thing. It's right. not like when your sophomore year, you have to read The Great Gatsby and your British, your English teacher is sitting there going, no, seriously, everybody, what do the glasses on the billboard represent? <laughs> it's the eyes of God. They're the eyes of God. Oh, man, my teacher hated when I said that. Green like, is How jealousy. Is yeah, exactly. What's <laughs> oh, the symbolism here? Because it's all there. All, right. the, all the threads of continuity are right. there in minute detail. Right. But it is not your responsibility, the reader, to yes. pay any attention right. to it whatsoever, unless you read it enough times. Right. And, and you want to. I mean, and, yeah. And, and I think that translates well for um, um, Rowling into the books because there's all, I mean, that stuff, especially book five. Book five, there is so much subtext. Oh. And, and there's so my much gosh. content in that book. Book five is when she gets oh, yeah, straight up political for the first time, like hardcore. Yeah. She goes, yeah. I mean, and it, like, as someone who's turned off by anybody who goes over that, over to takes a an existing property and adapts it to something, like that, I didn't care at all because she does it so brilliantly. I was going to say fact, because it fits in that world, it fits perfectly in her creation, right? So she can mm-hmm. allegor, you know, allegorize. She can create 
an allegory within this massive creation that makes perfect sense and is justified in right. every way. Right. So I don't have to sit there and feel like I'm being beat over the head with something else. Yes, correct. There was I remember there was one line about, you know, that awful little president where she was yeah, clearly yeah, ragging right. on George W. Sure, Bush, right. even though at this time it wouldn't have been George W. Sure, Bush. Right. But like I was and I was just like, uh, shut up. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> but don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't yeah, want to hear but it. Still, but yeah, right. that was like one line. Yeah. And it right. was in the first chapter of the book, and I completely forgot about it. Was that book yeah. five or six? It might have been six. It might have been six, because yeah. yeah, I don't remember that in five. Yeah, but her, five. Like you were saying with her and Lucas, they're fantastic world builders. Yes. Like yes. This, the world, like going into this, it's modern day-ish, you know, as of the 90s. Yeah. But there's this other sub-world where this magical where magic exists and people are like I, ne there's people who never interact with the our world you know that's one of my favorite it, things about it is that yeah. they, they occupy almost the same space physically mm -hmm. but are both sides are almost completely ignorant of each other sure yeah. one there, more than the other but i mean there's obviously some people who you know are go both into both worlds you know right. back and forth with these but the, like the Weasleys, they they don't understand anything about. Right. Our, yeah, they live right. off like in the, the middle Normies of the field. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the Arthur, the father, is just obsessed. And what I mean, he's literally in the chart. What what is he? The head of the director of like yeah, abuse of muggle, muggle art of uh, muggle objects or, or whatever. Muggle yeah. relations or something. Muggle. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, and he's obsessed with people bewitching muggle stuff or the function of, of muggle stuff. Like like I like actually like the line from the movie because you know the movie they have to boil everything down to sure. And I love the line. Tell me what is the exact use of a rubber duck? Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. I love that line because right. it's like all right. We just took two pages and reduced it to it's a single great, line. Because he's like, he's like, there's things that we can learn and we can apply the things that the muggles yeah. do to our world. The fact that he like acquired a, a flying Ford Anglia, <laughs> and is, rather than turn it in, I'm gonna stick it in the garage because <laughs> I'm fascinated by it. It's great. Like, so you think, oh yeah, you know, this wouldn't work because obviously, you know, we us muggles would catch on. But the way she explains stuff away is so brilliant sometimes. Yeah. Where there's like, you think, okay, they're going to put a magical spell on it so they like make it invisible. But no, let's put a magical spell on it so like muggles just get bored and walk away. Exactly. Like, oh, I don't want to. Yeah, Rather than make boring. it invisible, it just becomes unimportant. And actually, uh, she shares that with, and she probably deserves more credit, but Jim Butcher with the Dresden Files series, it's the same kind of thing. He goes into great detail talking about how it's, you would be amazed at the kind of things that an average person going about their day is willing to completely disregard right. yeah, in order to not question reality. I've always sure. viewed Harry Dresden as a grown-up Harry Potter that just, like, shit went down at some yeah. point. Yeah, basically, what if Harry Potter got shipped across the pond and everything went a different way? That, <laughs> that's how it got pitched to me when I was at Barnes and & Noble, and, for, and God... I feel old saying this, but I went up to a clerk and said, I need something to read. Help me. Not something I've ever done in my life. And I did not think it would result in anything. What do you like? Um, honestly, Star Wars and Harry Potter. And he goes, I have exactly what you need to read. This dude like, like thinks for two seconds. I know exactly what you need to read and gave me Dresden files. I'm like, all right, we'll see. And I went home and I'm like, oh my God. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's going to be another episode at some point, guaranteed. We're going to have to make you actually read or yeah, at least watch the crappy sure. TV series. Sure. Ugh.
<laughs> it was pretty bad, <laughs> but it was still kind of okay. I mean, if I guess if you hadn't read the book, it might have been okay. I don't yeah, know. I knew I, I had I had friends who loved the TV series, never read the book. But anyway, so yes. anyway, so we're four books in. She sells the rights. They get the first movie made. Yep. So so now we've got this situation where you've got you know people obsessed with the books, but now the cinematic version is coming out. I mean, I'd already heard about, I'd seen videos. It was like Michael Jackson concerts of all these girls (laughs) lined up for book releases, stuff like that. I'm like, y'all, that's dang mine. Yeah. (laughs) And then we participate. Yeah. We did the same thing. (laughs) The exact same thing. (laughs) So, yeah. So I consumed all four books and then, uh, uh, Sorcerer's Stone came out, or Philosopher's Stone, I suppose, was the, the movie is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's, Sorcerer's Stone. Stone. That's correct. Yeah, I I don't get why we change why we normalize that or localize that was that for a US. Cause that people, was a decision early on because at that time it was just the first book. Well, yeah, the book had been when the book was when the book was released in the U.S. It was localized to say the Sorcerer's Stone. Scholastic didn't think that people in the U.S. would. Uh, associate philosopher with magical. So here, right. yeah, well, okay, and I'll get, I, or I get that. Here's my question: No one in the U.S. would associate philosopher or sorcerer with Nicholas Flamel. <laughs> He's an alchemist, sure, or or if you will, historically speaking, for the actual Nicholas Flamel, a bookseller, because <laughs> Nicholas Flamel is like one of the only characters in her novels that was a real person. Um, and so, yeah, they could. Are, are you talking about? Could why you not they, say the Alchemist Stone because they didn't think a kids' movie could be about someone who well, there, had, had I mean, something the, who could the concept, change their gender? The concept of Philosopher Stone was already well, Philosopher Stone existed before Harry Potter. Yes, yes, as did the Alchemist the movie. Stone. I mean, are you? Are you? Yeah, but why would you go with the third title at that point? No, 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 no. The Sorcerer Stone. No, she's, was, he's saying. Why isn't it called Alchemist Stone? Why wasn't it called the Alchemist Stone instead of Sorcerer's from Stone? The, because from the book, because full, from, full metal from alchemist the book or the movie, because well, Full Metal Alchemist. It would have had to yeah. been the book because mm-hmm. the book came out way before the movie. Exactly, and so that was Therefore, already established. If the book, then also what I'm saying, Mike, I get it. Man. Why was there ever the phrase Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's I know. Stone? Because, I, from a U.S. perspective, this would be neither. Nicholas Flamel was rumored to actually, be an alchemist who created this, the the alchemist stone, which the, amongst like, but you very, don't know anything about Nicholas amongst Flamel. various mythologies, not just J.K. Rowling would have the capability of turning lead into gold, and also or and or the ability to swap one's gender. This was a business decision that was made, and she had no cause <laughs> say at the time. And I'm how wondering she if says because alchemist had too actually, much baggage. She actually says that she wishes she would have fought for it. To keep the original. Yeah, I really, because uh, I feel like Sorcerer's Stone is pretty misleading, but whatever. Well, I mean, maybe it's still got I, some attraction I don't, to it. I, I think I think it's, you, you're thinking too much about it. I just think if you look at Harry Potter yep. and go, okay, who in Harry Potter was a sorcerer instead <laughs> of a, just a wizard? It doesn't matter what's in the book. It matters how to sell the book. It matters. So I look right. at the title. The title is about selling the book. And philosopher sounds. The word philosopher sounds boring in the eyes of a U.S. Sorcerer Stone is more appealing in the U.S. at the time. Sounds or at cool. least they thought. Or at least they thought. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I, ultimately, they're probably at least a little bit right. A little bit right. Somehow it all worked out in the end. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> J.K. Rowling made all the money. All the money. So. Um, and and selling book other than the Bible. Now, 
the the first three or four movies came out in quick succession too. I mean, they came yeah. out. I mean, like one year right after yeah, the other. Yeah, you can tell the. Especially by the third one. <laughs> well, you had Chris Columbus direct the first two films. They pretty much said, hey, let's make Home Alone, but magical. So everybody said, okay, Chris Columbus and uh, John, Williams. John Williams, and we're off to the yeah. races. I mean, you had John Williams, and then you had, yeah, I felt, you the, watching the first few movies, it's de- definitely. Oh, the first. I remember sitting in the theater watching the first like, one and wow. going, this is the theme to Home Alone. <laughs> with a couple of notes different, you know. It's the first time I realized that, that John Williams has it. No, the da 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 is da 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 um, but Chris Columbus came and directed what I thought the first film was great, and the, the second film, film was, was really great. good. But I did feel I understood what people felt. Where people have said the second film was starting to feel dry. The second film kind of went off the rails for me a little bit. It is filled with. If you watch the second film, it's filled with scenes, and I know we're bouncing back and forth between the books and films because we're just trying to bang out Harry Potter here. Um, <laughs> shut up. But if you actually, one of the things I took issue with, uh, took umbrage with, if you will. If you will. I get that. You like what I did there? I will. Spoiler. Um, (laughs) Is that a lot of the the scenes were shot with one person completely opposite another person facing each other directly, which is like a film no-no unless you're in like a major confrontation. But it's full of scenes like that, which makes, and that's blocking, that's staging, which is a director's oversight, right? And I remember watching that even in the theater and going, this is so awkward. What is going on with Chris Columbus? And what I came to learn is that he was spending so much time in England. He was overwhelmed. He was away from his his family and he right. was miserable, like right. going through like anxiety and depression, and everything, which is why he didn't want to do the third film. Right. He, uh, yeah, no, that first film, I think he was so engrossed in it, trying to get it right, the look, the feel, yeah. and he did a fantastic job, I think, translating the book. For the for the first time out of the right, gates? out of the gates, absolutely. Now, I'm oh, poisoned yeah. with the movie before the book, so I never had the book before the movie, but I feel like it's great. I, I do, too. I do, too. I, and I think most people did, but that, that second movie, I think it looked fine, because yeah. it had his, I mean, since he did it, it had his it was look consistent. and feel, yeah. it was consistent, but... The st- the the pacing was off. The plot points, the, there were some things. I just remember coming out of that movie the first time, thinking, "Boy, if I hadn't read the book, there would be a lot of holes." Yep. Like, I <laughs> but would- then Alfonso Cuarón comes along and says, <laughs> "Hold my beer." <laughs> oh my god! All right. So since Chris Columbus decided it was just too much for him yep. to take on that Prisoner of Azkaban movie, yes, they bring yep. in Spanish director. Um, what was his name? Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron. Yeah. Corona. And uh, this is. Would you? Would this? Dare I say the, the Brian Johnson of, of Harry Potter is my favorite novel. Yes, me too. Of all time, not my favorite of the seven. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite novel of all time. That's a pretty well. Okay. And I have some novels I hold in very high regard. Fantasy and non-fantasy and non-science fiction alike. <laughs> it is my favorite novel of all time because of the level of mystery and how you know from the jump that you don't understand. She doesn't try to mislead you. She, you know, in, in this in this story, 
Harry is dealing with a bunch of unknowns because suddenly it's being unveiled to him that not only is there this bigger world that you're famous in, but there's a whole lot more that everybody knows that no one is. This is basically, yeah, his mother. uh, We're starting to learn more about mom and dad. Yeah. And their backstory. Yeah, his his dead parents. Oh, by the way, there was this group of friends. Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, they didn't live in a vacuum. They had a social circle and your your world is bigger. And even though no one has reached out to you at all since you've reentered the magical world, here's kind of why. And it she pieces together in a way that makes it clear that you're like, okay, this is creepy crap that's happening, but I clearly don't understand it. She's it's not a bait and switch. Never once is that a bait and switch. Even the person who makes it sound like, oh, you know, throughout that story, like him seeing the grim. You know, the, the black dog and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The person who makes it sound like it's, oh, it's an omen of death. It's something coming to kill you, blah, 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 is the craziest character in the novel, Professor Trelawney. And even right. Harry thinks she's full of crap. Right. And so, like, there is, like, such a beautiful lack of bait and switch, despite the fact that all these elements that are leading to, Harry, you're in all this danger, and blah, blah, blah. He never buys it for a second. Not in the way that everybody else is. Well, I mean, he, I mean, he's nervous, but well, he's nervous, but I mean, Harry is brave, right? I yes, mean, that's been established in the first two books. So yeah. he has a sense of bravery, and he's like, "I'm going to face this. I don't care what all these people." But are at the saying. same time, yeah, like at the same time, he also has like he's poking holes in everything. Sure, the whole right. time, and so rather than just lead it up to a big reveal, she leads it up to where you you know something's totally off, and it's just an explanation instead of a. Shyamalanian twist right <laughs> and Shyamalan. I love this novel so desperately and Alfonso Cuaron wiped his ass <laughs> so hard uh, with this well, no- did, with this ugh. it didn't help that they replace the greatest actor to play Dumbledore yeah, well, right. they had to because he died right yeah right, right with like the one of the uh, I, I like Michael Gambone. Michael Gambone is a great actor. Right? And and but. and J.K. Rowling has, whether for PR purposes or not, said that she, he's actually more like, like how she envisioned, envisioned Dumbledore right. to be. Mm-hmm. But was it Richard Hatt? Or yeah, Richard, Richard Harris. Harris, I mean. Yeah. Not, not the survivor guy. Richard, <laughs> <laughs> Richard Harris was perfect. He and was. That's exactly really who was. I pictured. He's what, yeah, he's what everybody what? pictured. But no, you can't pick a 95-year-old guy to hang on for 15 years of movies. <laughs> it's true. Not me, though. I'm actually different from, I think, a lot of people. I prefer oh, wow. the the second Dumbledore. I, I see strengths wow. in both. Like, Richard I mean, Harris, I like the first one. But, Richard Harris yeah. had the, like, the sweet, old, yes. brilliant man yes. thing. And Michael Gambone... To the credit of that claim that J.K. Rowling said that he's more like, has the aloofness that Dumbledore had. Like, he's barely in any conversation he's having throughout all the films he's in because Dumbledore is thinking about 10 other things at the same time. And it's off-putting, but shouldn't it be? Yeah, I mean, Elon no, Musk that's, is off. No, that's definitely his know? character. And back to what you were saying, did you read the books? I can't remember if you read the books. Or- uh, I've read at least the first one. I can't remember if I've read the second one or not. But so, he was a huge guess, fan of the movie. I guess what I was saying was that Richard Hatch is yes. what I saw in my head. Harris. Harris, sorry. Richard Harris is what I saw in my head, and I thought he translated well to screen. But yes, yes. I agree 100%. That I, I will say that Richard Harris is visually, visually the perfect Dumbledore. Right. 
Michael Gambone was fine visually, but also the yeah, he, he was had that he was creepiness. Yes, <laughs> he was he was what you know I envisioned in terms of the quippiness and the quick. You know, he's he's I don't know. Outside of the, did you put your name in the goblet of fire? <laughs> <laughs> yes, outside of the, that, the scene. often meme <laughs> criticizing of in book four. But yeah, so yeah, Quaron comes on and he's got Michael Gambone replacing Richard Harris. Richard Harris. He's got this obsession obsession with this bridge that someone came up with. Well, <laughs> that, he that, I, that I, damn bridge that's in every other shot in the film. Everybody's hanging out on this bridge that yeah. didn't exist for two years, but so, and it's not in the books. Here's here's the thing, man. I kind of got a love hate relationship with this guy because when I first saw that movie, it was such a departure from the the Columbus uh, Chris Columbus it was. movies. It definitely was visually. You're, I was just like, this doesn't even feel like Harry Potter. Yeah, and you're right. His obsession with a couple things, and then yeah, throwing moved, in a couple of things. They moved that were, Hagrid from the edge of the forest yeah. on a cliff, right? And I'm like, like, wait, he's on the edge of the forest. Yeah, and they're like, oh, we stuck a little forest right there by the garden. And it's fine. Right. It's like, well, I mean, what was the, to me, what was the purpose of that? It's like all that had been established. Yeah. Why, you know, why it change out? it now? Thankfully, yeah. I think filmmakers after him kind of reconciled things and tried to. <laughs> filmmakers, quarrel, <laughs> yeah. plural, a plural. I think there was just one after him that handled the rest of the series. Did he? There? Okay. Thanks. So. No, there's a few other ones. Were there a couple? Okay. But, but yeah, like there was, there was a style departure. Yes. Where they literally changed the set. And what I was going to say is that settings. ultimately some of that needed to be done. Agreed. So I, I guess in some respect, I'll give them, I'll give them some credit for, I guess, the willingness to take that turn because they were becoming older and you can't have them wear the little robes He's all a the Mexican time and, filmmaker. He had a different style. Sure. Right. A, a very different style than even would be considered like normal Western style. It had sort of a Euro flavor to it. Like, I would almost say like a French-like flavor to his style. And what I didn't like is that it was seemed really obsessed with the whimsy of childhood. Like, there was almost like a like an obsession to that film, all the way down to the last shot of the film where it's the freeze frame on Harry zipping away <laughs> on the broom. Oh, man, and you just so want to, like, punch yourself in the crotch Yay! every time you see it. Yeah, he's like, he's like, <laughs> and you're like, what is this stupidity? Wizard. But it's that it's that obsession with women. Yeah, wizards. It's that whimsy obsession yeah, that's right. that seems to be kind of permeating all over this right. film that is actually like the darkest story at that point. At yeah, the, well, yeah, it's subsequently the darkest story every every book. Well, the darkest I, story ever this is, told. I would say this is the darkest one in the fact that there is outside of book seven where everything's getting already and it's hopeless. Most and in the movie, it's, it's very dark. It's it well physically dark. Uh, book, yeah. book five <laughs> gets pretty dark. Book five is frustrating and dark, but this film is like literally like, hey, you might get murdered any second. You know, at least this is the one where he is he knows the least. Sure, and there is a most present threat. But that third book, so damn is amazing because of all that you learn about his parents. Yeah, and his father. The Patronus scene is. Blow every time I see even I cinematically. Cannot, it's not it's not when I read I've read the book probably four or five times. When I get to those parts, yeah. it's not that I tear up. I blubber like a baby. <laughs> I blubber yeah. like a baby. And when I see it in the movie, even though the movie does nothing to explain what the hell's happening. Sure, right. 
I, I still you know tear up a little bit from right. the. Party I saw uh, the the it's basically at the end. Remember, he this is before he goes back. When in he time. swears, he sees his father he's, conjure he's up his the father. Patronus. Yeah, and he's like, I saw my dad. Serious. I think I saw my dad, and, and then saw, and he's swearing that he saw his dad. Yeah, right. And then he realizes, and then when everybody's he goes like, back, that's not possible. That's when not he goes possible. back in time and he goes yeah. there to go see his dad closer up. He wants to see him. And he's looking around. He's waiting, and nobody's coming to save him. And, and serious across the leg. The the what do you call it? the what are the time turner? No, the the death. What are they called? The, the um, dementor. Dementors. The dementors are yeah. attacking him. And, and he's I love panicking that scene. He's like he should he's be like, here. He should be saving it. This isn't the way it happened. And up to and that he point, gives up. Well, at and that, just intervenes. Well, at that point, he still couldn't produce his Patronus. Yeah. It was just of like a half ass because well, he'd been he working could, on it. Yeah, he could, uh, full, what is he it? He got a little shield. A corporeal right. Patronus, I think, is the term. So maybe I'm getting ghost. But it was great confused. because <laughs> he was like, "Well, I had already seen that I did it, so I knew I could do." I mean, it was great. Yeah, it was a great scene. Yeah, once he figured out it must have been him. Yeah, he. But it was so sad too because. He was because standing the, out, after you going back in time, and he's standing on that bank. He's like, "I'm going to see my dad. Yeah, I'm going to see my dad. dad. I'm going to see my dad." And it was never it was his dad. So it was sad. him that yes. he saw. And but then the the twist is, as is revealed to you, if you hadn't already figured out at this point in the book, his corporeal patronus is a stag, right? And for Americans, that um, a male deer, male deer, right? Right, uh, or like like a big male a deer, yeah, yeah, a buck. And so. Uh, what you come to find out is the you know the whole Marauders map thing and the whole relationship that's revealed between Sirius and um, and Wormtail and uh, Peter Pettigrew and Professor Lupin and his dad they were the ones who created the Marauders map which is called you know what it was it created by I'm going to get them wrong because I'm too inebriated Wormtail Padfoot Prongs whatever yeah, Mooney right. Mooney Rudy Wormtail Padfoot and Prongs. Nailed it. Um, and what you find out then in his conversation with Lupin is that Prongs was his dad's nickname because all of them, God, I'm going to start getting emotional. God dang it. The three of them, when they found out Sirius is a werewolf, basically right. to keep him from hurting anybody because he was scared. Right. He was a scared to death kid. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill somebody. I can't control myself. They're like, you do. We're going to figure out. They taught themselves to become animagi right. and turn into animals and so, yeah, Wormtail being Peter Pettigrew, a rat, a rat. with a Wormtail. Yeah. He is uh, a rat. Mooney, Mooney being, <laughs> and then Padfoot and Prongs, Padfoot being Sirius a dog, and Prongs being Harry's dad, who turned into what? A stag. A stag. Right. And what the hell didn't they tell you in the movie at all? God dang it. I know, right? They know. never yeah, said was, it! That was very very frustrating. They, they ripped the emotional heart out of that. They that did. They really did. absolute beating heart of the story, they threw... I mean, it would have taken a few seconds. It was all e there. It would have been easy. Right there in the scene, in the tree. It was it could have. It could have. You're right. It could have took 10 yeah, seconds Yeah, when to Lupin stops that. him after they crawl out of the Whomping Willow before right. Mooney turns... It, it kept it, or before he turns... Right, or when Sirius and him are talking, sorry. Right. I was so mad. My cousin was, I remember this very specifically. We were in Cleveland. My cousin, we were at my cousin's wedding. It was the day the day before. My family had all checked in the hotel. What do you want to do? I said, Well, guys, this new Harry Potter film came out, and it's kind of my favorite Harry Potter book. So I need to go see it like right now. <laughs> and my whole family, loving and supportive as they are of me being an absolute social whatever outcast, <laughs> they're like, okay. And we all go see this movie. <laughs> okay. My fam my parents, my sister, my brother-in-law, we all go see this movie. And four out of five people walk out of there going, what just happened? Yeah. And one of them, the fifth person, is going, I read God the book. damn it, why didn't they <laughs> say this and that? Right. Oh, my God, they threw it all away. Right. 
I'm I'm not I, one for a bunch of exposition, especially if you can translate it to film. But that was the one spot where it was, was absolutely needed. Yes. Oh yeah, there was a perfect spot to put it in at the end when Lupin's packing was, up. Yeah, when Lupin's packing up and yep. Harry's talking to him right at the end, I'm like, oh yeah, here it comes, here it comes, <laughs> and it nope. never came. He never even and explains I'm, that they're the ones who made the map. He didn't. And I'm it's sitting not even here touched. at the end watching the credits and they're showing the map, right? Yeah, and like I'm the like, map is okay, so important. I'll watch, all, I'll watch all these credits. Maybe they'll 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 say something here. Yep. Nope, nope. They, they act in the credits is all the Marauders' map as if that was some important part of the film. When it was actually just such a minor MacGuffin. Yeah, in the that's film, film my, right? That's got to be my favorite reveal in that entire series. Oh, and absolutely. they just completely yeah. cut it out. Oh yeah. yeah, like I got goosebumps thinking about it. it. Is one of the most amazing reveals in the history of any novels I've ever read, and they. Just, just, right. just went nah, and not for good reason. There's no good reason. It was right. No, there, there really isn't. No, it was right there. We're not saying they could have changed the film to make this better. No, they could have literally inserted 30 seconds of dialogue. Yes, they would not have. Do they even 30 seconds. They showed you everything. Like they showed it all to you, and they didn't explain any of it. Right, right. My, I literally remember my mother saying these words. What was with the deer? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, that's it hurts. Oh, so, yeah, that's ah! so disappointing. Yeah, right. They never saw, none of them ever saw another Harry Potter film. All of them had seen the first two, most under my suggestion, mm -hmm. and enjoyed them. Yeah. No, anyone in my family ever saw another one? And you want to know something? I never tried to convince them to. Yeah. Because I was like, that wasn't fair to you. And that's uh, and on behalf of nerds everywhere. I apologize. I mean, not that the other films um, failed that catastrophically. But, right. I mean, the other. No, that I gotta say, the other the films out. too, man. I mean, there's just there's just so much that they have to leave out. Well, that's the other thing. After book three, book three was a short novel. Yeah. Yeah. After that, they become huge, right. and so yeah, the chopping block becomes serious. You can't. It's hard to criticize the rest of the films, other than book seven being two uh, films. Oh yeah. We'll it's hard there. to criticize <laughs> the rest of the films for what they left out. Right. If you're going to make something, she put so much films, in them. It should have been Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but but like that novel was a short novel in a few seconds yeah. would have made everybody in the audience go, oh, my God. And they <laughs> just went, more impactful, nah, yeah. right. we need to really have an extra three seconds pausing on that freeze room, Harry on the broom at the very <laughs> freaking end. God. Uh. So, okay. There you go. There's <laughs> book three. And then book four, five, six, seven, and 7.5 happened. Uh, right, right. <laughs> so then we're getting to Order of the Phoenix era, right? And that's uh forgot um, Goblet of Fire. Goblet of, oh Goblet, I'm sorry. Goblet. Yeah, yeah, so sorry. Most so people's sorry. favorite, I think. Most my favorite. Is it yours? See, yeah, I think my favorite is still book three. It's more it for me, it's not a read aloud book. Yeah, it's that's a, it's that, very it's, dense. That is a wonderful way to say that. I agree. It's I, if you read I, it to yourself, it's fantastic. But yes. if you're reading it to somebody else, you're just like my oh God, God, this goes on forever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still to, remember reading this. <laughs> I still remember consuming that really fast. Though. Oh, me too. Oh yeah, I went right through. But when I read it to my daughter, I almost had to apologize to her how tens and tens of pages, nothing was happening. Right, right. Um, but yeah, Goblet Man. Um, I mean, yeah. In terms of the novels, that's where we have the big shift to you know the large. I mean, that was what, 700 Fire, pages, something yeah, like that. Goblet of Fire is the first one to really expand, hit the accelerated pedal on expanding what the wizarding world really means. Yeah. 
You know, you've got two books of Harry getting his beak wet, right? You're getting his feet wet. Then you've got a book of expanding Harry's history. Right. And then Goblet of Fire goes, okay, now this here's what the, the modern wizard world. world actually looks right. like because it's big. And, I mean, the best example of that is instead of us, in the first three books, I mean, we really have, okay, Harry's at home, then the term starts and he's at school, right? Mm-hmm. This one, we actually, they come get him early. 200 pages of leading up to the Quidditch right. World Cup. <laughs> to the Quidditch, yeah, World, Quidditch Cup. World Cup. Great what? scene, man. Just fantastic. Yeah, um, dude. It really expanded the lore for me. I mean, both reading it and I, I remember because I read the book first, obviously, because the book came out around... Um, Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. But I was really excited going into the movie to see how are they going to handle the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah. And I wasn't disappointed. No, I, I wasn't either. I mean, it, the whole, at the aftermath of the Quidditch World Cup with the Death Eaters and everything, right. that was all very lackadaisical. But again, I don't know how much they could have done. Yeah. I, I mean, I think they did as good as right. they could have. I think it but was better done in the book. The, the, fact, that, the fact that in the, in the novel, this doesn't get as much... It, you in the in the movie you get to see like what do special effects and fireworks and sure. things look like. Sure. But in the novel, the level that she goes to down to like the tchotchke that they're spending all their money on, you know, mm-hmm. like like the the binoculars that can slow down time while oh, you're looking through them. <laughs> yeah. The the Victor Crumb statue, like little figures that wander around on your hand, like yeah. they're animated. Right. Like the just all that stuff that they're there they've been like ron's been saving his money all summer just so he can buy world cup tchotchke right like that's a real life thing there right. are people who like this is the first only time i'm ever gonna get to do this and i don't have a lot of money and this stuff is all gonna be really expensive mm-hmm. and it's literally like oh in the wizarding world the same thing. It's just that here's how the tchotchke's different. Right. And it makes it so relatable while you're reading about these fantastical things that she's ginned up. Yeah. Never for a second do you question any of it. Right. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love right. it. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. I just, I, I mean, I remember loving learning about a port key, what that was. I mean, that was a pretty neat concept. Yep. Um, Jeez, Despite who, the fact that in the movie, how they like run down out of the air looks like the most dumb thing I've ever seen in my life. That oh, was yeah, pretty dumb. Fair. Yeah, that was real <laughs> Why dumb. Why are they bicycling out of the um, air? <laughs> but I, I mean, even in the book, I mean, I remember reading him entering the tent. They set up this little oh, yeah. tiny thing. And he's like, what the heck is this? And in the movie, inside. it's, I love magic. <laughs> but in the book, he <laughs> walks in his tent and it's just like, oh my God. I never even thought just a tent could be a right. magical thing. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, neat. It's really cool because she's literally. At every step along the Quidditch World Cup, she's sitting. She's taking your normal expectations of like, you know, tailgating a big game, and and doing her version of all of it. And it's like subverting your expectations to borrow Ryan Johnsonitude, <laughs> but doing it in like every other sentence. And it's just delightful because you're like, eh? oh, oh, this now, oh, like it's all these just little discoveries that you understand perfectly. I. uh and and then all the way down to like the teams and how the everything acts like the they their mascots and whatever right like the Irish have a bunch of uh, yeah have the leprechauns, leprechauns right. and leprechaun. the Bulgarians have the Vila yeah and yeah. stuff and how the men are immediately like how dangerous is it that their their <laughs> their mascot are these real creatures who look like the most gorgeous women ever and men are practically walking off the balcony to their deaths <laughs> and they're like this is fine <laughs> this, this is isn't a safety hazard. It's fine. I, 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 it's, it's so delightful. And given the condensed time they had to do it in the movie, I felt like it was fair. Yeah, right. 
I only took a problem. I only took issue with the aftermath, which in the novel, when the Death Eaters stormed the camp during mm-hmm. the partying after the game, right? It's scary. Yeah. It is scary. In the book, it's just a bunch of KKK people with flags, which anybody who's played Red Dead Redemption 2 knows that the KKK <laughs> is just comedy. That is not really. No, yeah. of course not. But like, yeah. it, it doesn't, it looks like just your stereotypical. It doesn't scary convey it very robes. well. And I think we follow, during that scene, we follow Harry and he gets kind of semi knocked out or whatever. Yeah, right. And he's like all groggy. So it's like all blurry, kind of running around. Yeah, they just do like this very, quick version. But right. in the book, like, where they run off into the woods, they're scared. They can't right. find the adults. They're, they're running into like right. house elves and all kind of stuff, right. which. House elves were a major part of book four. Yeah, huge. Yeah, and almost completely left out of the movie. Yeah. Was Dobby even in book four in the fourth movie? I don't think he was. But you had oh, fourth big. movie? No. Yeah, I don't no, remember. he was in the third one. Right. Um you had uh Dobby, you had the, the what was the girl one's name? The girl house elf. Oh geez. Squeaky, squawky, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> But, like, the whole thing with Hermione doing, like, the Elf Lives Matter or whatever her little movement was called, uh, where she was making the badge as Elf Rights Now or yes, something like right. that. Spew. Spew. That's what it was. Yeah. I don't, the Society for the Prevention of Elf, I don't know. Or, right. Anyway, all that was left out of the movie. And that was probably wise because yeah, it was one sure. of the few instances where Rowling has a substantial part of the story that's not actually in support of the story sure. at all. Yeah. Because it's all it almost always is. Almost everything is either part of the story or just flavor. Sure. Spew felt like the closest thing to a distraction yeah. that she wrote in all the books. Yeah, sure. Well that's yeah. Hermione for you. That's yeah, okay. you know. Yeah, but, well yeah, that was totally a Hermione character thing. But well yeah, um, I actually love the fact that it, it you know especially if you look at J.K. Rowling's politics, at least up until the whole trans rant that she did a couple weeks ago that everybody pissed off. Um, Jake, it, it's kind of funny. Her, Hermione's whole take in book four is almost a self reflection. Maybe I don't want to imply. I don't want to like impose that upon Rowling, but it's like stopping to look and say, okay, Hermione's a Muggle. She has Muggle parents, or she's a she's a witch, but she has Muggle parents. She's, mm-hmm. Wizard world completely new to her. Sorry, she, yeah. sorry. Oh. I didn't mean Dude, to say we that. don't say that. That's 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 that that's word. Disgusting. Um, but she does not like. She comes from just a normal Western background and younger education, which means for her to see a race of creatures who are just subservient is appalling and disgusting. Mm-hmm. And so she's immediately wanting to fight for them and all this stuff, but they don't want to be fought for. Sure. And it's really a neat thought study on Rowling's part, who is his traditionally a very left liberal person sure. to actually do a little thought study on this is what they want. Right. And from Hermione's point of view, it's because they don't know better, but she's writing it with everyone going. And at one point, Ron goes off on Hermione and says, how do you know that? Right. You're just assuming they don't Those know are, better, but right. they're different from you. And right. you, it, it, Ron doesn't say it eloquently because that's not Ron's thing. Yeah, but that is something coming from Rowling that I'm like, wow. Right. Uh, those are those are those. That's that, not applicable to people in any way, no, but it's, it's an interesting thought study. Yes. No. And I like that. I like that when authors are able to do that. Yeah. Are able to inject. I, I mean, when when you become ham-fisted or heavy-handed about something, whether it's cinema or a novel or whatever mm-hmm. that stuff is so obvious yeah and it, i think it just naturally turns people off yeah but when you're able to 
twist it in a way. You're literally using your own perspective and then having a different character challenge your own perspective right. through this other character. I think that's really. I think a, rela- a relatable um, topic would be the the Battlestar Galactica um, remake. There is a scene where they're you know they've already been attacked by the Cylons and and the group is in space. And and the president has been established, and they're talking about abortion, right? I forgot all about that. And yeah. there's this this great scene again. I don't care what where you land on the spectrum. Yep. I, I love this thought experiment because this is a scene where mankind has been almost eliminated. Yeah, they were they're and down to the scene, last couple thousand people. You've got a scene with the president who said, "You know what? I fought my whole life for women's rights to be able to choose." Yep. She goes. But we have to outlaw abortion. We can't do that yeah. in our current situation. I remember that being so powerful. That was it was like wow. Because it was basically someone saying, Yes, it has to you know, in a perfect Right. This is the way it would be in an idyllic way from this precarious point of right. view. Again, from this character's but point of view. Right now, but, we're fighting for survival but of the species. Sometimes there are things that have to intersect with what we uphold to be the ideal. Right. And that was, yeah, same, same kind of thing. A thought experiment, right. which which is what science fiction and fantasy are so they're su- good yeah, They're for. supposed to do that, right. Yeah, good, they don't good have science. to. No, they don't have to. But right. sometimes they're at the their good, best. The good stuff yeah. does. When Absolutely. The good stuff. <laughs> the good so, stuff. So, all right, we got to move on to five. Do we? Professor Umbridge. Hold Terrible. on, hold on. Before we get Worst. there, we got to talk about the end, at least the end of God oh, of the Fire. Oh, when we kill Batman? <laughs> yeah, that's when shit gets. I mean, this is when shit gets real. Shit gets real. Like, that's you're right. exactly you're right. Because right. in the you're first right. three books, yeah, they're all like uh, Mary Sue's. Everything's great. They all win. Yep. Nobody and then dies. The fourth one, you're like, oh, sh- oh no. Yep. Oh no, we done killed a kid. <laughs> yeah, this is. I mean, kid. that end scene. Even I think both in the movie and the book, where um, Voldemort is resurrected mm-hmm. i mean that is like spoiler you're like holy shit what just happened yep you know what I just... happened to ray fine's nose <laughs> truth yeah <laughs> i think i think it was i think it translated well to the cinema in that scene right that end scene um but yeah that was that was crazy scary man and uh, as soon as Voldemort's out man first thing he does is kill cedric just dead yeah, just yeah just like meh meh yeah, it's like you're not needed. Yeah, I, no, you're not even supposed to be. You're dead. <laughs> that, yeah, the whole the whole scene was terrible because you know Harry's by himself now, and he's yeah, he's surrounded get, by Death Eaters and Voldemort. Yeah, and he's trying he's trying to get back, and eventually, you know, something. I don't want to spoil it. I don't know how many people. <laughs> oh come on, <laughs> we're far enough out. Spoiler alert. Go ahead. Yeah, so their their wands are are tied together and. Harry they're, and Voldemort's they're the same wands. Core. Yeah, they're the exact they are, same core. They're made from. They're both made Sister from the Co- feathers. The two the feathers that Dumbledore's Phoenix pet phoenix contributed uh, right? gave up mm-hmm. to yeah, make wands. So yeah, they are. So they're they, related. They react to each other, and Harry gets away with Cedric's body. He, he like purposely gets his body because he knows he needs to, and right. then he port keys back to the. It's this whole tournament, so there's a ton of spectators, mm. including Cedric's dad. And like when he comes back, everyone's like cheering and clapping. And then in the book, it, it, it she does a really good job of just like 
like bringing the panic slowly in like people start to realize what's going on the boy's yeah. dead. is he and, dead is he dead and harry's the like stop dead. cheering you know stop it you know yeah he's, right. he's, actually his, his dad yeah. comes down and he's like oh my god yeah and it's just it's this terrible. This scene. is something where I feel like in the movie they could have botched this horribly. And I'm not going to say it's as effective as the book because how could you be? But the guy who played Amos Diggory, like running, like he being the first one to realize something's amiss during the cheering and to run down. That and was he's, pretty I'm going to start crying. Yeah. And he's yelling, My boy! Like the yeah. anguish to right. see his son. I'm yeah. tearing up like. <laughs> It is well. Even even before so that, powerful. even you know when um when the the wands are tied up and um he gets to see his mom and dad yeah. and Cedric yeah and Cedric says take my body says, back take to my, my body father. yeah take yeah. my body my yeah all that oh man that's just that's yeah just, because the wands are releasing the echoes of their lives they're not right. real right they're not the they're not ghosts they're right. not the dead. They're just echoes of the people that were captured within the wand. Which, by the way, I love. I love the scene where he's talking to Dumbledore at the end of the movie, and Dumbledore has the realization. He goes, "You saw your parents, didn't you?" Yeah, yeah. The movie does that <laughs> oh. in a kind of a neat way with Gambone just going, you know, just side of the eye. You saw your parents, didn't you? Like, like, because he can tell that Harry's well, a little, here, got a little extra spring well, step. Well, but Harry's describing Harry's describing what happened and how he got tied up, yeah. and he realized that you know the. I guess the the, the phenomena spells, that takes yeah, place. Yeah, the phenomena that the took place. The reverso whatever oh. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I love that scene too because Total platonic reversal. That's what he realizes he saw his parents, but he has <laughs> that platonic, yeah. Platonic. <laughs> I love that scene though because he t he's talking to Harry and he says, You saw your parents, didn't you? And I love the sobering moment because yes, it's, he, oh, it's he's such like, a Yes, I got to he goes, Yeah, I got to see my parents, but he goes you know that the dead can never be brought. You know, he's like trying yeah. to bring them back down. He's immediately going, that's not really them. Right. And you don't even need that. Right. You don't even need it. Oh, I shouldn't say that. You do in, need in it because. In the context of just telling the story of one movie, you don't need it. Sure. But in the context of understanding the whole of Harry Potter. Right. That is so important. Key. And very it was key. very. I don't know if it was forward thinking or just fortunate. Fortuitous. That they kept that there in in four, yeah, right. Because to, to, you, you can't bring them back, right? You know what I mean? Yes, there's ghosts, but those that's a specific thing that happened. You can't conjure up your parents. You can't conjure. They right. can't use they a Ouija cannot board. be brought back. Yeah, right, bring them back. Um, exactly. Yeah. So no, I love those sobering moments, and this is yeah. I mean, th you're right, Garrett. I mean, this is where the, all the shit hits the fan, right? I mean, yeah. we're. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, we we experience the death now. You know, we see his parents. Voldemort's back. I mean, this is yeah. just, you know, the the entire wizarding world as we've known it through these four books is about to change completely yep. in book five. Where J.K. Rowling introduced the most effectively hateable villain in literary <laughs> oh history. Oh, my God. Worst villain ever. Oh, <laughs> wow. I know so many people who are like, I hate book five. Book five, book five is my least favorite one. I'm like, that's bullcrap. Because book six is okay and book seven is not great. Book five is amazing. It's just it's frustrating as Very frustrating. hell. It's terribly frustrating. Right. Because Professor Dolores Umbridge Ugh. is the most maddening <laughs> character ever she written in a book. She has cat plates on. <laughs> yeah. Collectible cat. And she has no problem plates. physically torturing students when they oh, yeah, just don't too. think what That's she wants them too. to think. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, but I don't even what it's called. Where they the the quills that yeah, scratch quills into that, their own yeah. skin oh, as they have geez. to rewrite lines, and they're over scarred, and, over. and oh. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's walking around like hiding their hands so no one can see the scars <laughs> on there. Like it's literally, it's like okay, it's pretty clear when you take a step back that she's like pulling up some Holocaust like, sure, right, illusions, mm-hmm. sure. You know what I mean? Where like literally people are like hiding the words on their hands and stuff like that, so they don't know. People don't realize how much they've been punished, and but yet at the same time doing it with this like serpy little pink do-gooder lady. Pink yeah. dress do-gooder right. lady with the yeah the cat plates, who's using like literally the worst person at the school in terms of being useless. Uh, Filch Argus Filch the uh you know the right. what is he the janitor the maintenance Care- guy? yeah right yeah the caretaker of the castle whatever like who who I actually I love how he was played by what's his yeah was, that was probably the most perfect casting yeah that was yeah movie. it was legitimately perfect casting i can never remember his name of course he's been in uh game of thrones hot fuzz, and hot fuzz. Hot fuzz. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and also he played he played the original doctor who in a couple of productions now the the film about the making of doctor who and i believe he played the original doctor in one of the episodes of doctor who it looks like the original doctor yeah um but yeah that guy David Bradley, Argus David Bradley. Filch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, she like, Argus Filch, like, arguably one of the most useless characters, not just because he's a squib, because he's an old cranky man, right? Um, but he has his time in the sun as, like, her henchman, right. which almost makes it worse, because she doesn't care. Right. It goes to show how much she doesn't care, that she's just getting things done, because she's using him like a tool, and he's thrilled to be used like a tool. Oh, my God. Because he's, he's like a, he hates the kids. He like he, yes, he wants he wants to he has this so like he has a set of rules that Hogwarts has, which <laughs> right. who knows what it is. He wants, but he has his own personal letter. set of rules that he thinks all <laughs> students should abide by. I love. So now, a, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. So now Dolores is saying, okay, here's all these rules, and he's taking great pride <laughs> yeah. in the rules posting up. these rules <laughs> yeah. everywhere. I gotta, t- I gotta give Dave Bradley credit because back in uh, the first film, I remember the first time I sat my parents down to watch film. I'm like, I know I think, you guys. I think you're gonna say the same thing I was yep. gonna say. He's got one of the best lines in all eight <laughs> movies, yeah. and and I've, you guys have heard me refer to my dad. You know when a when a movie gets a great line, my dad has a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> is his laugh when right. it really gets to him and it was ba- when he's walking draco and harry out for detention to the forest yeah and he's like sitting there he's like back in my day we used to tie kids up in the dungeons or blah 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 and he just goes god, god I, I miss the, the screaming, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad <laughs> that's good stuff man yeah, he, yeah. Uh, he, he was him crazy. and dolores were perfectly cast as people movie. who have Absolutely nothing in common except their despisal, despising of the children. Mm-hmm. That's the only common thing they have. She hates squibs. <laughs> she is totally like whatever wizard racist. You know what I mean? Squib, by the way, is a person that's born to a witching family but does not have the power of a witch. Right. right? Okay. Right. Sorry. Which would be the opposite of a muggle or. Yeah. The, yeah well, like muggle ass. Or, or no. M- m- opposite the opposite of a, of a, of a muggle blood. born. You can say muggle born. Okay. Not mud born. Okay. You don't have to. Hey, hey, hey. hey, hey, hey. We're going to get an explicit tag. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yes. 
And of course, the the big scene in that being uh, in that book for me being when Fred and George go, oh, I think we've had enough of our advancing education. <laughs> they leave school. Yeah, and they decide to leave the school with a bang <laughs> and disrupt all the uh, OWLs taking place. Nice. No, the big one though. This one is that okay. So Harry finally in this book, even though as frustrating as it was, he has family, right? Yeah. Is you know he now has. His, his, his godfather. godfather. Yep. And, uh, you know, Sirius is there for him. And I, I there's there. I, actually, I think there's scenes at the, in the in the um, prior was it prior book or prior two books where Good they're actually making plans that, hey, after yeah. you're out of school, hey, maybe you don't go live with the Dursleys. Yeah, maybe you come live come with me. And Harry's me. like, everything's coming up. Millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Harry's finally, finally, the first time in his life feels like, OK, I've got family. I belong. I get away from my horrible other family right. who tortures me. And everything. And, and then J.K. Finally, Rowling goes, hold my beer. Yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> she high fives George R.R. R. Martin. And yep. uh, so we had to high five Sirius right through the curtain. So right we have our mail. next big death, right? Yep. In the series. Where Bellatrix is, uh, Lestrange, Lestrange, as the dude who reads the books calls her, yeah. the audiobooks, gives a, throws a Nevada Lestrange. cadaver uh, yeah. right into Sirius, Harry's godfather. Hel- Helena Bonham Carter. Helena, Helena Bonham, Bonham Carter. Carter. Yep. Yeah, the cutest woman you find disgusting, <laughs> or wait, the most disgusting woman you find cute. I don't know something, but she's, she's got, got her niche pies in London. Out she does. She really does. Yep. And yeah, she she she. I like how she plays Bellatrix Lestrange as a chaotic mm-hmm. evil. Sure. To throw her on the old D and D chart. Oh yeah. <laughs> Where like she literally Squarely. does. She. I don't know if I initially liked this, but I've come to like it. She does the traditional Wicked Witch of the West laugh as Bellatrix because you have witches and wizards, but they're all normalized in various different ways. Some of sure. them are odd or whatever, but she's playing the psycho witch and actually does a yeah. <laughs> kind of laugh. And I at first I was like, eh, and then I'm like, no, you know what? Yeah, she that's kind of her. She, yeah, she's kind of owning that. And and I I I do I. If she doesn't win me over, the, if Helena Bottom Carter doesn't win me over right away, she almost always wins me over after a few views of anything <laughs> because she's yeah. extremely skilled. She's great. She's great. And good casting. I, I Yeah. I, I remember even, th- oh, Helena. Oh. Yeah, okay. no, I know. I was like, right. oh, creepy. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, kind of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And she is, you know, Sirius' own cousin, his first cousin, straight up kills him. Yeah. Because she's following Voldemort. So yeah. then Harry, like, right as he had family again, right as he might have a normal life right. within the wizarding world, ripped where right he's out more than him. just the famous boy who's lived, ripped right out from under him, and up oh, right back to the Dursleys. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah, book Got five it. goes out with a bang. Yeah. Book six. This is where we get to the point where I can't even figure out what was what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. This was an interesting book. I liked this book. I do, too, but Mm -hmm. we're getting late enough into the story where everything's kind of, like, reaching a pace, and I have trouble picking everything apart from it. They bring Slughorn in. Yes, yes, Professor Slughorn. Who can turn himself into a chair, apparently. Yes. Oh, great opening scene. (laughs) Cherry. I believe he turns himself into Cherry cherry. from Pee-wee's Playhouse. (laughs) This is a great opening scene. So, uh, actually, it's Dumbledore, right, that picks up Harry this year. Well, yeah, the opening scene is Harry checking out a chick at a diner in in the whatever the British people call the subway. (laughs) I don't remember. 
the tunnel or, or something like that tunnel. Yeah, he's the down train. there. He's flirting with a chick, and Harry's gonna get his Harry on. And then Dumbledore shows up and cock blocks in the worst <laughs> possible way. <laughs> and, and, like, and, he, and the best part is Dumbledore totally knows it because after it's all over, he's like, "Sorry about me getting in the way." <laughs> And he's like, that's oh, okay. Yes. Sir. Then they stop by Slughorn's house. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is a Slughorn great scene. is a fascinating character. I Much more depth. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's my favorite character by any stretch. No. But and given more time would probably have been more interesting. But given the fact that he's pretty much only featured in a book and a half. What a complex character she introduces here. I loved him, man. Yeah. I loved the I mean, you're right, not the not the favorite, but you're right how the depth of him. I mean, I mean, here's a guy who's really loves the prestige, right? He loves the prestige of yes. being a professor. Yes, of being and, of being admired amongst the young and old alike. And what was his little group of students that he brought the in? The Slug Club is the what they called club. themselves. <laughs> they called themselves that. He didn't. It was his it. collection. Yeah, he, he's he's going to collect you, Harry. He's going to try to collect you. Because he wanted to he wanted to get to know the best students from the best families because it made him feel like he was one of the best. It's actually kind of it no, it's very sad. Sure. That he is an mm -hmm. educated man of esteem. Right. He is an educated man in a position of power. Gets caught but up in that. Being able to rub elbows with these children right. makes him feel important. Sure. But at the same time, if you actually look at the lives of the professors at Hogwarts, they don't have spouses there with them. Right. Or at least that we're aware. They're in isolation. And so you kind of have to think maybe, yeah, different personalities would have to fill those gaps quite a bit. I always looked at Minerva McGonagall as kind of like like she knew that Dumbledore didn't go that way, but like they almost had like an asexual. It, this is just strictly my my interpretation. They almost had like an asexual marriage of sorts where they knew each other so well that they could predict each other without having an actual intimacy. You know what I mean? Sure. Because what else do they have there? Right. And so Slughorn is just this lonely, brilliant guy who has to throw these parties and collect these children and, and hobnob with them. And it's it's so pathetic and sad, but yet it's also it it makes it even worse why Dumbledore the, needs the it. The culmination of his character is yeah. brilliantly done. So yeah. he's got and, and this, and this what group. a perfect casting decision and, uh, too, for the yeah. Oh, oh yeah. So Definitely. Oh. Well, I don't um, even know the actor's name. I've never known his name, but he's in everything and I love him dearly. <laughs> no, but Moulin scene, Rouge was the first thing I really noticed him in. You know, but but his I mean, his culminating scene, right, is he's he's got this group and he gets the trust of Harry and blah 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 and and Harry comes to understand well, basically Dumbledore knows that yeah. Dumbledore Slughorn knows hiring something. Slughorn back on as a potions master again, because he was year decades ago, is all a plot. It's not because Slughorn's the best guy for the job. Maybe he is. It's because Dumbledore needs something from him, and Dumbledore is being Dumbledore and pulling strings, which is one of those things where you feel icky about Dumbledore at times, but it's like, it's, you know, Dumbledore's like going full on Patriot Act at this, at this point. I was going to say, in this book, I mean, Dumbledore's disappearing and yeah. he's for long periods. He he's comes fighting back. a war that a lot of people are ignoring is even happening. This is where his injury, his hand is all shriveled up and, and yep. we're trying to figure out what's going on. Again, I feel like this is J.K. Rowling playing the other side of the, playing the devil's advocate, where Dumbledore is doing all of these things that when a big government were, were to do it, 
it would like her, a person of her persuasion would be maddened by it. But here she is writing this character who her main character holds as the absolute pinnacle of perfection. He knows there is a bigger, doing these questionable there things is a bigger consequence here. So yes. he's got to go outside. So he's the literally zone. taking it so other people can just right be comfortable. So basically, he's trying to figure out how the heck you know Voldemort is back and all this good stuff, and yep. he knows that there is. He's tried talking to Slughorn in the past. He knows there's a gap in his memory. He doesn't know what that's about. Yep. And the great scene where Harry confronts him, you know, after one of his parties or whatever, and basically says, you know something. You know something about Tom Riddle. Yeah, who is Voldemort's uh, name before he became Lord Voldemort. Right. And uh, that, that whole scene where he confronts him and breaks down Slughorn. The... I, this is one of the cases where I can't I can't honestly say if I remember that the book scene was better than the movie scene. I can't either. I, 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 maybe it was. Oh yeah. But he acts it so well. The look of shame, like shock, so much shame, and decades of shame, fear for his own safety, and just humiliation. Right. And yet also, I I don't want to sound cliche. Love. Because of absolutely how much he admired Harry's mother when she was young. Right. And his admiration for Harry and how horrible he feels that Harry had to grow up without his parents, but yet how he knows that in some small part, he's partially directly responsible because mm-hmm. he gave Voldemort, Tom Riddle, mm-hmm. he, he confirmed for Tom Riddle the key to a somewhat immortality that allowed him to operate as Voldemort. And I just yeah. love that scene when... You just see the veneer just, like, fall away. Yeah. And it's crazy. It is but, because it's not dramatic. There's a lack of... No. It's like he's in shock as he's admitting yeah. something he knows. The the scene where he finally breaks him down in the movie... Yeah. And he and then you just see him pick up his wand and put it to his head. And... Well, no, he, he has to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh no, don't do that. He, it's, he has no, not like that. But he's going to pull the memory. He's pulling the memory out. Yeah. And he puts it in the vial and hands it to him. Yep. And he hands it to him. And there's just so much shame in his face. And he goes, don't judge me too yes. harshly. He goes, don't judge me too harshly based right. on this. Right. Because now you're going to see the truth. What I don't remember is if in the book he pulled the memory from his mind because his memory had been tampered with. But maybe it was a tampered memory after it had been pulled from his mind before. Maybe that makes more sense. Yeah, I because the the version of it, like Dumbledore, has a copy of the memory in a vial, right? But but there's a hole in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it actually it's it's in the film. It's a different. It's been tampered with. Those are his words. And the fact that as soon as Tom Riddle asks about what a Horcrux is, he yells at him and sends him out of the room. Right, but it's, right. it's it's weird and echoey yes, and messed up. Right, right, right. And that's how Dumbledore knows it's not factual. Right. So, but yeah. So actually, that, and that's what it is. The memory ends up being that he basically tells Tom Riddle the key to immortality, which is the Horcrux. Which Tom had already kind of figured out, but he he had done the research and right, yeah, he had verified through a professor, and that's how he was able to survive death yeah evade being killed for whatever you know and then we find out what the horcrux is and he's divided himself into set what seven pieces i can't i think there were seven horcruxes yeah so and the whole big mystery at the end of that book while we waited for book seven to come out is okay what all's a horcrux 
Right. Yeah. Everybody's yeah that. ended that was, up, man. Everybody's trying to figure out what are okay. So we got we got uh, Remus uh, or Regulus Blacks uh, lock uh, lock. Yeah, there was the ring. Uh, uh, is the snake one? Is the snake one? I don't know. Is the snake one? No, it can't be a living thing. Why can't it be a living thing? Oh my god. We went yeah. insane for like two years. Right. Yeah. Right. It was <laughs> speculation was awesome. Yeah, and all of us what ended if it's up a right. Sorting hat. <laughs> we were yeah. all right. Right. Everybody was like, "Oh yeah." We were the people like, "What if Harry's a Horcrux?" <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. We were all right. So that brings us to book seven, more or less, <sighs> because we're at two hours. Book seven. <laughs> book then seven. There's book seven. Was the crappiest one. Because I felt like it felt like J.K. Rowling or the publisher, what he felt like she had to write the meatiest book when in actuality it could have been resolved in probably half the length. Well, here's mm-hmm. the thing I, I try in one I'm, movie. Yeah, and definitely, definitely, one, definitely movie. one movie. Oh, but my God. In terms, in terms of the book, I mean, it's one of the longer books. I don't think it's the longest, but it's one of no, the longest. Yeah, it's not the longest. No. Um, but the frustrating thing about that book was, I mean, the part where basically they're on the run. Yep. They are on the run for like 500 pages. And all yeah. angry at, with each other because they're all having to carry Frodo's ring. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> they, like, never, they never actually go to Hogwarts like until the end. Right? Yeah, until mm-hmm. the very end. So that whole book was so frustrating, and I kept telling myself, this could have been wrapped up in, I mean, they did not need to run around that much. They, you know, It was just not needed. Yeah. It but, was in the book. It was too much, and then right. in the movie, they're like, "We better pad this out so we can yeah. make it two films." <laughs> right. like, yeah, we that's need, another issue. We need thirty-seven montages of them just camping in various places. My, um, but my frustration with the book, I, I try to give it the benefit of the doubt, right? Because we talked about book five being frustrating, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, you know, all the things just because keep, it was so well written, these terrible things, right? Yeah, and so. <laughs> I try to give her the benefit of the doubt in my mind by saying she was trying to make us feel as frustrated as as the characters were. Yeah. Um, but I still fight myself on that because I'm like, okay, yeah, she super succeeded if that was her intent. Yeah. But it's I still feel like, man, this could have been wrapped up in like three or four hundred pages. Literally, or less. Yeah. She literally spent several hundred pages or a few a couple hundred pages writing meant like writing depression. Just, I mean, just <laughs> that's what it was because they literally they had the Horcrux. They couldn't figure out how to destroy it, and so it was affecting them mentally. They were sad and depressed and doubting each other and paranoid and had high anxiety. And here's a couple hundred pages of that, right? And it was just like, I mean, well, that okay. Ron, if you Ron wanted to, if you wanted away, to consider this yeah. a documentary of a thing that actually happened, maybe that's warranted. But as novels go, this is not fun to read at all. Yeah, no, it was not a fun read. No. Not a fun read. I mean, until I mean, until you get to the end, and you know, all the, the end, happens. of course, being the culmination of like, wow, we could have cut a hundred, a hundred pages out and speed limited it straight to this, right? Rather than you know, thumbing along the highway of depression for two hundred pages. So but, okay, so definitely hot hallows. I mean, we, you know, we get the the backstory on that right through. Um, my least favorite title tie-in. Of all of them, really, even the Half Blood Prince, which felt kind of hackneyed, the whole book, yeah, a little bit, yeah, the, the book with the Half Blood Prince signature, Half Blood Prince being Snape, of course, which spoilers was fine, <laughs> yeah, sure, but the whole Deathly Hallows thing is like, all right, here's a whole new mythology in the very last book, right? Yeah, just throwing it all at you, yeah. Oh, there's a symbol. We're gonna put it on T-shirts and everything, and I, I, it just. I don't have a problem with it, but it never resonated with me at all. I'll tell you what, I. 
it was a bit much cramming in. But I did. I loved the fable. I mean, the the yeah, little... the, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good fable. Yeah. Actually, when I was down at Universal Studios, uh, uh, Florida, <laughs> not Islands of Adventure, <laughs> the one next door to that, the Florida one, not right. the other Florida one that's not called Florida. Um, and we were at Diagon Alley. There were street performers, quote unquote, in Diagon Alley who did a puppet show. Like a, like, oh, cool. They yeah. weren't marionettes. They were like these really complex stick puppets of that fable. Yeah. And it was really neat. Cool. It was really, yeah. really cool. Because, of course, we're standing there in Diagon Alley. I mean, There's it was a dragon very, breathing fire over our heads. It was very clever. It was. Um, it felt like an old fable. I mean, yeah. it was just. But it also didn't match the style of any of the stories before that. No. It, it was good, but it, it was like a real, it was kind of a whiplashy kind of a yeah. change of pace right there to go. Okay, so I know we've had six books, but we need to set the stage. And it's like, you had six right. books and you've set a lot of stage. No, but there's more stage. There's more stage. But it was at the same time you get the backstory on... Harry's invisibility cloak. Right, you get the. Backstory you come to learn on, over the course of the novel on the wand, uh, on, on wand. Dumbledore's wand, right. which was a bigger deal in the books than it was in the movies. Right, because uh, yeah, in the books, Voldemort stole the wand from uh, Dumbledore's grave. Correct. He does in the movie too. Does he? At the very end of Half Blood Prince, he steals it from his grave. I thought Harry just had it the whole time. Mm -mm. Okay, weird. Anyway, well, I buried yeah. him with it. Yeah, it, 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 and then the uh, what's the the elder one? Oh, the sorcerer's stone. No, the not the. It wasn't the sorcerer's stone. It was the resurrection stone. I assume those were the same thing. Because the sorcerer's stone lets you live forever. So I figured the resurrection stone was just the fable name for the same thing that Nicholas Flamel had. Yeah, who knows? Is it? Wait a minute. Am, am I th am I forgetting this? I. I don't I know. Was, Maybe I'm writing the, something new that wasn't there. I thought the stone was in the ring. And uh, good lord, I, I need to go remember. back and read them again. Yeah, the movies muddies it up a little bit. Yeah, no, because the sorcerer's stone was destroyed in the first book. They destroyed or, the stone. Oh, that's right. it. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> the, the resurrection stone is different than the sorcerer's stone. Shut up, Mike. The sorcerer's stone is what he was trying to use in the first book. The resurrection stone was part of the three. Um, Hallows. Okay. All right. You're and, making you're making enough sense for me to concede. And again, I and wait, the resurrection stone is oh, what he's allowed still going, him. Though. He's convincing himself, guys. <laughs> the resurrection stone is what allowed him to see the parents again at the end. So. All right. 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 So the movies, the the two movies are really bad. Yeah. They're really They're bad. My great. my daughter hates them. You know I. <sighs> I have no idea. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I know exactly why they did two movies. Yeah, the same it, reason why The Hobbit did three. Cha-ching! Right. right. It's it, all, it it's was all about the money. It, we know it when they're doing it. As soon as they announce they're doing it, everybody goes, this oh, it's is, cash grab. And no one has proven that. This is wrong. why you don't, do mo don't start the movies until the series is done. <laughs> True. <laughs> There's a little bit of truth to well, that. Well, I mean, that was the hot trend at the time, though. I mean, we had... The hot trend to cash grab? Yeah. Like, like, like needlessly cash, cash grab? It's always a hot trend to... Well, no, but breaking up, you know, final chapters into two movies and all. I mean, that's kind of... That and was it, the name, hot ticket at the time. Name one... 
I, I'm not saying this is on you, but just as a as a, as a thought experiment, <laughs> name one time where that ended up well. Ended up well? Never. It's never, never ended well. It's always garbage. Do they right. make more money? Maybe they make a little bit more money. I'm sure they made money on uh, on on Harry Potter. Harry Potter, sure they, they did. did. Yeah, but do they make as much in DVD sales? Do they make as much in repeat viewings? They yeah, can't. no. They're I mean, it's, they're always it's, bad. At the end of the day, it's Hobbit awful. is hell. Dude, the Hobbit movies, I I mean, me and, okay, my daughter loves Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And we, oh, yeah, we just movie. lapped that stuff up. Hell yeah. And she was real excited when she found out there was a Hobbit movie. And then there was <laughs> three. We watched the first Hobbit. She's like, okay, there's another one. And we watched yeah. the second one. And, Is this going anywhere? And then we just ended up never watching the third one. Amen. <laughs> I still haven't watched the third one to this day. Me either. Me either. I can't bring myself How to How the it. hell? Look at me, Garrett. Like, Garrick more than me, I but like- it. We don't <sighs> care. But the like, thing of it is, you have to is be how we levels of Lord of the Ring committed. Yeah, I see. love the book, The Hobbit. I do too. And it would have been beautiful oh, the in book's one amazing. movie. Yeah, and one it, it doesn't need more than one movie. And the same with definitely. No. You know what? It's the actually, I'd have actually been okay with it being two movies. To really make Meh. it and to well to fully well, flesh Peter, in everything. Peter Jackson did, did not want it to be three. Yeah, right. he didn't. He was right. vehemently against it. Yep. So. Yep. So anyway, we took the worst, arguably the worst of the novels, and made it into the two worst films. Unfortunately, but the last half hour of the second yeah. film is great. Yeah, True. is pretty much what you need. It's it the to payoff. Yeah. it's the payoff. I mean, I, it's it's funny because you know the last of anything, it rarely lives up to expectations, right? right? I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, the end of a, a TV series. At the or... same time, though, you knew reading the books, you knew that even though these were the most hyped books ever, you knew that was going to pay off. Yeah. There was never a doubt that it was going to pay off until I maybe you got say, halfway into that last I got to <laughs> say, in that, I mean, the book, and you're right, the, whether it's the last ha half hour of the movie or the last, you know, 100 pages of the of the book. They did pay off. I th I feel like she did a pretty good job wrapping everything. Up. Yeah, I don't know how you guys feel. I felt like she did a pretty good job. I mean, she did a little, she did a little George R. R. Martin trimming at the end <laughs> and decided I left way too many characters alive, so I need to scar some of my viewers yeah, real quick. Sure. Um, that wasn't just, him. That was DB Weiss. Just ticks off a list of murdering everybody of half the cast. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it needed to be impactful. It needed to be something that you felt okay. If anything there else, there was go, big stakes. Big. If anything goes, if anything else ever happens in this universe, we need to know that this was going to leave a stain on history. It's not just going to sure. be something that is a fart in the wind. Because that's the thing you hear about through the whole series. All oh, Voldemort's reign of terror back in the you know eighties was, or back in the seventies was awful. Oh yeah, it was really terrible. Oh yeah, it was really awful. There was an explosion in the street this one time. Uh, <laughs> and it's it was like, terrible. was he Killed just like, 10 like people? Yeah, was he just like an angry dude pissing people off? Like, right. what made it so bad? And so this big battle at the end has to one-up whatever the hell that was. Right. And so she had to make sure that you understood that it wasn't something that people were going to regard lightly in the future. I will say the one disappointing aspect, I mean, I loved everything with with Harry and him being killed and talking to Dumbledore and, and all the reveals. Yeah, actually, it's before, before you finish, before you finish the sentence, uh, the, the beauty, the beauty of that, the fact that Harry's been trying to meet his dead parents or bring back his dead parents all the time. But what is what happens? He has to die. 
right. to talk to Dumbledore. Sure, right. Go ahead. Your favorite part of that whole thing? <laughs> no, no, no. All that stuff was good. The one thing that I did th- did not think translated well, like the fight between Harry and Voldemort in the book, very well done. Yeah, it was perfect. In the movie, I don't think that translated very well because I'm watching yeah, the, them the fight. The f- and but like the, the wand battles were always, yeah. even in book four or even the fourth film, it's just like, oh yay, rainbow jelly. But fly. it was oh, just, crap, I did it again. I don't think it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't control it. Don't say, it just don't happens. say the word. <laughs> rainbow goo. Goo. There you go. Pastel neon yeah. rainbow goo. Peanut butter. And but it was just. I still. <laughs> honey. <laughs> Bananas. Bananas. <Bacon>. Chocolate. <laughs> Strawberry. Strawberry and strawberries. Popsicles. But yeah, the movie, yeah. the battles in the movies always feel so low stakes. Well, Petroleum. It's, just, it's Harry leaning one way. You know, it, yes. it, it's Daniel Radcliffe leaning in one direction and Ray Fiennes leaning in another direction while holding their hands in a really weird yeah, position. But, I mean, and that's it. But, but Dumbledore's, I'm not Dumbledore, Voldemort's death, it just, it seemed, Wait, he it seemed semi-random. Spoiler. It's like, it's like he's in the middle of it and then all of a sudden he just starts flaking away. It was really, yeah, it, was, he got, it was poorly well, done. It just happens to be at that same point, Thanos was snapping his fingers. <laughs> was snapping his fingers and that was it. And he was one of them. Yeah. Poor yeah. guy. That was what Thanos' first attempt, <laughs> but he only got the one guy. It just, it just didn't so how feel did very he really impactful. Die? Who? What? Huh? In the book? Yeah, I don't remember. No, it was, yeah. it was, the, it was the same way. It's just the timing was a little off on the move, uh, the cinematic version of it. Yeah. in my opinion, I felt like they were. It felt like you were building up to this for a long ass time. Two movies. Eight, I don't know. Eight movies, and then right when they get to the absolute penultimate moment that la- that big climax the last big thing they're like oh crap we have a lot of uh ex- a lot of denouement to lay out so let's just cut straight to that <laughs> i mean i don't know if, all the de- all i don't the know if it needed to be just like a like a very specific moment where like voldemort needed to throw his hands up and it's like oh okay he's been defeated just so you, you know, needed to see really an explosion to and have his screaming head come right at the screen <laughs> like emo tap right <laughs> perfect it just it just for whatever reason, for me, I just remember thinking that on film, I was like, oh, 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 he's dead now. Okay. Yeah, it, it almost would have been better if it was either more dramatic or even less dramatic. Yeah. One, yeah. Well, like, because the less dramatic would have made you go, oh, behind the look back. at how insignificant <laughs> it ended up being. More dramatic <laughs> would have been at least bombastic. Like a, legs, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's that's a good way. But yeah, again, it, it, it does feel, opinion, it feels very medium, very middle of the road. I just, it was just. Kind of like in an outburger. It's okay. Truth, truth, my son. <laughs> Make a lot of people angry because people like. I know we, people we know. love the In and Out, but I oh whatever you I, all... not so much. I'm a five. I'm a f- five guys. Oh, okay. five guys. I'm no, a Portillo's yeah. man. So just yeah, I'm a no argument, man. Get good, man. I've had had Portillo's like three weeks. I gotta fix. I want to be ready to go. I want Let's a bag full of fries right Yeah, there you go. Small Speaking fry. of going right now, we need to wrap this up. So let's talk about what happens after. The last scene in the books, the same as the last scene in the movies, Dumbledore is dead. Fast forward 15 years. It was 13 years. 13 years, whatever it is. Harry marries the prettiest girl there. (laughs) Ginny? Ginny Weasley. Mm-mm-mm. He's yeah, a okay. Weasley. (laughs) Yeah, he marries his best friend's sister like a dick. (laughs) <laughs> like you do. And Ron marries Hermione, as predicted for many books. And uh, Kids start spewing out. Yeah, they Spew. start pooping out kids. 
he uh, he he names he names his son uh, after the guy who tortured him throughout the, his entirety of his childhood <laughs> because he was in love with his mother. That was a little weird. That part was a little weird. I get it because it showed that Harry had accepted that Snape. Snape was the okay. whole time was trying to do right, but. The problem is that, okay, Snape was making the ultimate life sacrifice through the entirety of his adult life right. in a way for Harry, but he was a dick the whole time. Sure. <laughs> it was weird, but I mean, I get what she was going for there. And, I do and Snape's sacrifice can't be understated. And it shows, it, yeah, Snape's sacrifice is huge. He was a dick, but his sacrifice is monstrous. And it goes to show that Harry can look past everything. Right. So there's two important points being made, but it still just seems like right. I'm going to name you after the biggest <laughs> b-hole that ever did a nice thing. Tortured uh, me for seven years. Yeah, tortured or me I guess for seven, six years. Six years, and you know what? But that bit. was one of her, I think, um, great accomplishments in this series is the back and forth with Snape. Right? Oh yeah. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? He was a Death Eater. Is he a Death Eater? Is he still loyal? Is oh, he yeah. not? Is he with Dumbledore? Every time a book came out, everybody was arguing over where Snape's... From book one. From, from book, book one. one, he was supposed to be the villain. Yeah. And then ended and up Everyone being... argued the whole time of whether he was actually the villain or not. Right. And the truth is, yes, no. Yeah, right. He literally... his He was the villain because the only way of defeating the real villain was to become... The villain. Sure. He was in some, I mean, you could, you could almost draw allusions to Jason Solo where Snape had to do what he had to do. He had to do what he had to do in order to keep someone else from doing it. Right. You but, know? Yeah. The, the, the double spy, right? I mean, yeah. The, yeah. You know. And, and, he, and, the, and it, it's really emotional down like the end of book five where Dumbledore is sitting there and they're on the tower, the astronomy tower and Snape's got his wand out and Harry's hiding below the floor, but you've got, Bellatrix, Draco, everybody around. And Draco, basically, if Draco doesn't make sure Dumbledore dies, Draco will die because the unbreakable vow that he made to Voldemort to kill him. And, you know, poor Draco is just a kid caught in a sandstorm of bad people, right. right? And you've got Severus right there holding out his wand. And it's so important to Dumbledore that Draco's life not be thrown away. This kid who's a, a little butthole. Right. Yeah. That his the life not be thrown. And the son of an even worse butthole. Right. It's so important to Dumbledore that this child's life not be thrown away that although you don't exactly know this, it's amazing to me how many people didn't pick up on this even after reading the end of that book. Mm -hmm. But he has made Severus swear, Snape swear to kill him. Right. Because we know that Draco has to. Right. You know, actually, I don't know if Draco made the unbreakable vow or if it was, I know Snape made it to cover for Draco. By the way, Draco would have been punished by Dumbledore or by Voldemort. Right. So Dumbledore made Snape say, you know, you have to kill me so that right. this kid doesn't. Right. I love and, and the scene where where he goes, I can't, you know, like he's holding it out to him. He's holding the wand out and he's pausing. Snape doesn't want to kill because he he really does love Dumbledore. Right. He really does. Mm -hmm. You never you're never sure, but he really does. And 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 Dumbledore begs him. Yeah. Severus, please. And in Harry's ears, it's please it's, don't please do don't this. Please don't kill me. But and in reality, it's, it's please, please do me. what you have to do to save right. this child. Yeah. yeah, that's a great scene. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Good yep. stuff. Yep. Absolutely. Y'all should read some Harry Potter, y'all. <laughs> Word. Including you, Mr. Man. 
Mr. Man, read, listen to like one of them or whatever. You need to actually, get up if you're on into that. the audiobooks, I said this. the audio versions of these. Books I have are listened amazing. to all of them, and I, you know, I can't adhere to audiobooks. I've listened to all of them multiple times. Yep, all of them. How else are you going to hear the dude say Bellatrix Lestrange? Lestrange. Or also or say Voldemort in the Voldemort first couple for the first couple. And any time, Order of the Phoenix. Anytime the longest her, book. Yeah. 820 pages yeah. in the U.S. 760 in the U.K. I don't know why it's wow. that different. I guess they didn't have that graphic sex scene in or something. Yeah, also, also, whenever Hermione <laughs> says Harry, she Harry. says Harry. Harry. So... Go read your Harry Potter. Watch your Harry Potter. Tell us how you feel about the Harry Potter. I don't care about any of the periphery crap. We're not even talking about Fantastic Beasts right now. It's not on the agenda. No. These... But I do have something interesting Oh, about that. Oh, so, Garrick's here and... to piss off Porkins kid again. <laughs> so, you know, in that terrible movie, <laughs> was it like Nagini, um, a, a lady? And then turn into a yeah in the second in the second film, mm. but she uh, the like second Fantastic Beast permanently turned into a snake, which became Voldemort's snake. Yeah, for whatever it, reason, Nagini needed a backstory. So I think it's at the beginning of book four, maybe where yeah. he's talking about milking Nagini. Yep, and drinking the oh, milk. No. Yep, oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, yep. gross. Yep, he didn't drink oh, his Asian lady's boob milk, Aww. snake boob milk. Yeah, yeah. She has a curse. There's like a certain a certain kind of like animagi adjacent thing where they're cursed, where they eventually become the animal and can never turn back. You know, we, were, you we were drawing comparisons to from J.K. Rowling to George Lucas and their comparisons <laughs> yeah. extend beyond their ability to create a universe. Yeah, it's their inability to stop <laughs> creating it. <laughs> right. Hey. Interfering, sticking their heads and in then, it. Yeah. And the amount of wealth that gets it to the point where they will take feedback yeah. from no one right. or no one will right. be around them to give it to Exactly. Them. Speaking of not being around, we got to wrap this up because it is a long one and we got more business to work on tonight. So cut it off, boys. Run out, betterkind.com, click on the Discord link, join us on Discord so we can hear about you and your Harry Potter experiences. Please share with us there where we're all chatting and having a grand old time. Uh, run out wherever you get the podcast, give us a re positive review, we reach more listeners just like you, and I don't know, Facebook, Twitter, and stuff. Great! In the meantime, I'm Corey over there's Mike. Does JK have her own golf cart, I wonder? Her own golf cart? Yeah. Oh man, she's probably got like a she's probably got like a hover cart, like golf cart to helicopter. You know, peace out, I'm out. Well, at this point, she JK out. At this point, she has an escape vehicle from when the pitchforks and torches show up at her oh, front geez. door. Over there's oh. Howie. Does JK have her own spaceship? <gasps> she should. If she any she one person has her own spaceship, <laughs> could afford it. Sure. Yeah, Elon Musk probably made a backup and just gave it to her because he's like, you know, he's allowing she can't. You're the only one who can afford it. So. Oh, there's Garrick. Do you think J.K. Rowling filmed all the Quidditch scenes in her pool in her backyard? Oh, I'm with that green I'm sure screen. Of, that I'm sure of. Nice. But before we go, I just want to ask you guys: Do you think J.K. Rowling jellies? Oh, hell yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Who doesn't jelly? I'm just saying. Wait, I, I don't get it. I'll I don't get it, guys. Garrick's mom will tell you later. You know what I'm saying? Wait, what? I don't, you know, if you realize this, but, but when you uh, swish and flick and say that word, it summons the end of the podcast.
Fish and Flick. Hmm. Jelly, not jelly. Well, now you got to play music again. Wait, are we starting over? When you do it after, yeah, are we do? St- I can say that word for now we, until we record again, and it's fine. No, I think the podcast goes in reverse now. You, I don't know what kind of dark magic you play. <laughs> I play with all kinds of dark. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm could be technically great, you know. Ravenclaw. So. As am I. I, I took, took the, the test. test on Pottermore. There's another another one that kind of like is more straightforward. I'm Gryffindor straight up. Just you're I, just saying you're such a puff. You're no, such a no, awful puff. No, no, Gryffindor all the way. I don't believe Dude, I don't believe you at no, all, Gryffindor. No. Garrick, I'm great. What are you? Have you not taken the test? You heard you me. didn't know there was a sorting test. Pottermore, oh man. They also have a test <laughs> for you, much nerd as you to find out what kind of wand you would would have. Pottermore, which takes you to that's, wizardingworld.com, actually. Oh yeah, they did change it. Pottermore was her little web world that she created for a while there. Yeah, yeah. Wizards, ding. Yeah, we can stop recording now. I'm just saying. But uh, but I gotta get my tell you my. Uh, <sighs> I did the wand test, and mine's a black walnut wood with a dragon's heartstring core, 12 and a half inches. Wow, dude. And supple flexibility. Garrick's mom will be real happy Well, tonight. now that we know the lengths of Howie's wood, can we please stop this episode? 